Well, good evening. Welcome. Glad you are with me. It's Brian Noonan in for Nick DiGilio one more time as we head from a Thursday night into a Friday morning. It is uh, great to have you with us. Big show planned for tonight, but as always, it is more fun when you are involved. 312-981-7200. That's how you get a hold of us here at the uh, the Big Blowtorch. When you call in, you'll be talking to Tom Hush. Be nice to him. You get to me. That's how it works. We are going to start out in just a couple minutes talking to two of my favorite guys. Uh, we are going to talk beer, one of my favorite subjects with John. John Carruthers and Jesse Valenciano we are bringing back at the breweries for a uh, Thursday night, Friday morning. I'm happy about that. Then we are going to talk to the uh, general manager, uh, Ryan Ostreich, of the Music Box Theater, the future of movie theaters. Uh, the chains are... Uh, you know they're in turmoil. What about the local independent theaters? We're going to talk about that too. The overnight arcade will open after two o'clock. Oh my goodness! It's seventies, nineties TV trivia, valuable prizes to give away. Tom, it's very exciting, and uh, a whole lot more. We're going to do a couple of Nick's regular features in the three o'clock hour, and then uh, we'll go home at four. That's pretty much it. But again. This will all go a lot smoother if I'm talking to you. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. But. To get started, uh, Tom, this is exciting for you, I know, because you've never gotten to play this before, but uh, go ahead and hit it. Oh, this little refrain should help me explain as a matter of fact, I like beer. Welcome to another edition of At the Breweries. Give me a keg of beer. Pull up a bar stool and get ready to join the keg conversation. A shark on whiskey is mighty risky. A shark on beer is a beer engineer. Your one-stop shop for brews in the news is on tap. <laughs> beer, more beer, and more beer. Here's at the breweries with Brian Noonan. Wow, how do you like that, Tom? That's some production work right there. Don't don't throw shade at my boy Cody. There will be trouble. I want to welcome in my At The Breweries guests, the regular uh, guys who are here. Jesse Valenciana is the marketing director for Dry Hop Brewery Group. You can follow him on uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Valenciana. DryHopChicago.com is the website for Dry Hop Brewing. And John Carruthers, who is the marketing guru for Revolution Brewing, RevBrewChicago.com. Follow him on Twitter at UTChicago. Gentlemen, hello and welcome. What's up, Brian? It is good to talk to you. Uh, it has been it has been a, a crazy time for the last few months uh, for all for everybody. Um, but no, nobody more than local businesses, small businesses, and breweries are are part of that small business fabric. Uh, first of all, how are you? First, I'll ask John first. John, how have you been uh, riding out this COVID pandemic? Uh, well, I've been channeling some serious dad energy and making a lot of pizza from scratch. Uh, I've also been letting my kids drive me gradually insane, and I think that these are the twin pillars upon which my uh, quarantine has rested. <laughs> Very nice. Now, Jesse, you do not have the you do not have one of the pillars that we know of the the child pillar. But how have you been faring during this uh, pandemic? Well, for every child that John has, I have an extra chin because I've been cooking so much. <laughs> so. That's been keeping me pretty busy. Um, I just got a new grill, and I've, I've honestly like been grilling nonstop since I got it. So uh, I, that's been occupying my time. I've been noticing the matching uh, gas and charcoal Webers, and it is <laughs> yes. uh, it's fun to see, and it's also a tad troubling. John, would you agree with that uh, analysis? Yeah, but I I also am a big video game guy, and I'm pretty sure that by having the matching set, Jesse unlocked some kind of extra bonus, uh, you know, <laughs> on his next <laughs> on his next level. 
<laughs> See, that's why I did it, man. That's exactly why I did it. Well, let's get down to brass tacks. Things have been things have been rough for everybody. How are how are Dry Hop and Revolution faring? Now, granted, Revolution people are probably thinking, well, you know, it's a, it's a little bigger. It's probably not feeling the impact of the pandemic and the quarantine as much as some other places. But we'll start with you, John. What's been what's been going on with Rev during all of this? Sure. Um, you know, there, there is that mindset out there that maybe we're doing okay, and you know, we are lucky to keep making beer and keep releasing new things. Uh, but honestly, no brewery, whether it's Jesse's Brewery, my brewery, a national brewery, was prepared for 100% of keg sales to just disappear overnight. So, um, luckily, we are still making beer. We are still keeping people, uh, all, you know, putting a lot of stuff out to retail in the states where we distribute. So, you know, it. We're certainly aware that it could be worse, but you know it's 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 a new reality for everyone. You know, yeah. And what's going on with dry hop, Jess? Well, you know, I, I guess if there's any kind of silver lining here is that um, we don't distribute. So our breweries, because it's dry hop, it's Roebuck, uh, it's Corridor Brewing, and we're going to be opening Crushed by Giants. But you know, everything is sold um, in house. We we do crawlers. Um, so the the one good thing is that we don't have stuff. In, in package that, um, I'm sorry, on draft, that that's what's being hurt the most. So that, that kind of helps us. But, uh, you know, it, it's really given us an opportunity to, like, look into what we're doing and, and be creative. And But, yeah, just like everybody else, you know, we're hurting a bit. But um, our spirits are high. You know, now that patio season is is open and legal, that's, that's helping out a lot. We've got a bunch of cool beer in the pipeline, so... Um, there is a glimmer of hope through all all of this. Well, we are going to be getting into different summer beers and different styles because even with everything going on, people still want to drink beer. Uh, but I have to ask, since, since Jesse, you brought up patio season. It's uh, you know it was supposed to start the other day. Uh, some places were going to hold off a little bit because of uh, the uh, the protests and the riots that have been going on for the last few days. What's the what's the situation at Dry Hop? We actually, our patios are open. We opened them yesterday, and uh, it was cool. I went over there to kind of check in on everything, and I was, you know, keeping on top of the social media um, channel, and there was a line of people. It was insane. It, it kind of reminded me of, like, when people line up to buy beer, but here they were just lining up to take whatever patio space they could and just be outside and, and, and be drinking, which is, which is great. And it was, it was, uh, it was refreshing. How uh, how many how much of a an issue was it to transition into these new guidelines of keeping people socially distant? Because you know we think of going to a tap room or going to a beer garden, and it's usually pretty packed. Yeah, you know it actually wasn't too difficult. We've been pretty diligent about everything since day one, so that's where I think we had the advantage. And um, you know, if you would have came in earlier that day, we were we honestly had the tape measure and making sure everything was at least six feet away. Uh, we don't want to mess with that. Um, we've been on top of that. And, and, and it's really not, it just seems like everybody's a little bit more spread apart, but it doesn't seem too crazy. Like in my head before all this happened, I'm like, oh man, it's going to be so weird because I'm so used to being like elbows to elbows with people at a bar, but it doesn't seem that weird, to be honest. 
Well, that's cool. We're going to find out what's going on at Rev in a minute. we got to take a quick break. It is at the breweries. John Carruthers is here. He's the marketing director for Revolution Brewing. You can follow him on Twitter at UT Chicago. Jesse Valenciana is the marketing director for Dry Hop Brewery Group. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Valenciana. If you have any beer-related questions, the, really, these are the guys to ask. They don't, you know, you can ask me, and I'm just going to give you my layman's uh, opinion, but these are the guys. So any sort of beer question, 312 981 200 we'd love to hear from you we're going to uh, continue on after this it's wgn uh jesse john just so you know tom is picking the bumps tonight i don't know seven year itch is it uh, do we have uh, any reason for that one tom is it a tie-in are you having a seven year itch have you better seven years and you're ready to go well uh let me tell you it's seven year ache oh one <laughs> and uh well i, I wasn't sure do you I'm have a problem not... with roseanne cash is that a problem for no, you sir not at all yeah no, i did i thought so not... all right let's... wow it's we're starting <laughs> off rough. i was just i was just kind of digging that it's uh you know a, a real throwback to when am radio used to play music <laughs> we're listen we we love we've been doing a lot of yacht rock this week fellas it's been uh Nothing but cool grooves, uh, sitting out back <laughs> drinking a nice cold beer, which is why I'm talking to Jesse Valenciana and John Carruthers. They are my panel for At the Breweries. If you have any sort of beer question, 312-981-7200. All right, John, I wanted to talk to you about Rev. Now, you know, at the at the brewery and tap room, you don't have a patio. Uh, and then did I read correctly that the brew pub hasn't opened yet or isn't going to to open? What's going on with the with the brew pub? Sure. So for the brew pub, um, we had been planning to do some work on the space for a little while uh, and sort of with everything that's going on, you know, with the fact that curbside is really only like a fraction of the business we usually do. thought it'd be a good time to like just close down for the present and do some work on the, you know, on the space and see kind of how we want the next evolution of a brew pub to look, um, you know, because we're not going to be necessarily back to normal, normal in the near term. So, right. you know, we're going to try to, like, react to the community like we always have. So, like, with Dry Hop, they can open up their patio and have people come and hang out. What, with the, at the uh, tap room, you guys are still just going to have to operate with curbside pickup, is that right? It is, um, and, you know, not, not for nothing, uh, a lot of people are doing this, but it's kind of wild to me just how, you know, curbside is this thing that kind of sprung up overnight because of this situation yeah. that no brewer in Illinois was necessarily ready for. But like, you know, our retail team and, you know, Jesse's retail team, Maplewood, Dovetail, like whoever you want to pick has, you know, kind of all built their own system on the fly. And like everyone has been doing just kind of a really fantastic job about it. Like, I, I think I'm really impressed by Chicago and Chicago and brewers and how they've adapted to, you know, keeping people working, getting beer to people, all that. Well, that's what I was, I agree with you 100%, because as much as I enjoy going into a tap room, it isn't like you had to miss out on your favorite local breweries, because th- this uh, curbside pickup stuff has worked wonders. Yeah. I yeah have... it's, it's, it's been very cool, and, um, you know, it's like a lot of those bartenders, a lot of the tap room employees, like, that's how they can keep working during this time is people just ordering from local and supporting local. And it's, you know, silver lining is exactly the way you put it earlier. And I would, I would totally agree. All right. Let's, let's uh, really quick touch on the elephant in the room because like everything else and every under every other industry over the last week, we've all been, uh, you know, trying to become more aware of things in the, in the brewing industry, which the craft brewing industry, which is a very tight knit and uh, supportive community how 
how do you guys, not you personally, but how does the industry view inclusion? How, how inclusive is the craft beer industry? I, I think there's more recently. There's been a more concerted effort uh, into that because, you know, for the longest time, you know, realistically, it, it was, uh, you know, a bearded white guy's game. And, um, you know, it, it, and people, it, it's, people see that, and, and it's obviously something that needed to be addressed. And in the last couple of years, there's been, um, again, more of a concerted effort into making the industry more diverse um, and getting it out there and, and getting people, you know, having people look into what we're doing and get them excited. Um, you can't force people's hands, you know, but it, to get the industry out there and, and show that it's an inclusive industry, um, I think we could all do better, but I think we're, we are doing better than we have been in the past. John, what do you think? Yeah, Jesse, that's really wonderfully said. Um, you know, I think part of not only the brewing industry becoming more aware, but every, you know, facet of American society becoming more aware and responsible is understanding that, like, we're coming from a place of shortcoming and how, you know, we've served, you know, the black community, uh, other minority communities. Uh, we actually put out a statement on all of our social channels about how, you know, these protests aren't just something that's happening in our neighborhood. These protests are full of our family members, our coworkers, our neighbors, and our customers peacefully demanding change and recognizing that and really taking a deep look at ourselves to see how we can honor that commitment. But going forward, you know, to be a, a more inclusive industry, like Jesse uh, referred to. Yeah, and everybody's working toward that. And uh, so I, I figure we would we would address that because everybody's that's on everybody's mind. But now uh, let's turn our attention to uh, the yellow suds or the brown suds or the suds in general that just make life uh, that much better. Whether you're, no matter what's <laughs> going on, a beer can always help. I, I'm, I am a firm believer in that. I want to ask before as we go in, we're going to talk saisons, we're going to talk summer beers. I have some questions about some styles, and if you have a question for John or Jesse, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred because. Everybody thinks. Everybody thinks. Oh, I know. I know about beer. I know what I like. But maybe there's probably something out there you haven't tried that you're really going to love. I'm only asking this, John, because I know you and Jesse are great about not coming on and uh, you know pushing your own stuff. You you talk about everybody. You you're very inclusive. But it's something I'm curious about. I've been following Revs and Pollyanna's uh, social channels, and you did some luau luau collaboration. <laughs> and just from the name and the can design, I'm like. I'm. I got to see about this beer. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm getting to talk to you. What is this Luau collaboration that you did with Pollyanna? So this is wonderful. Pollyanna, you know, great, great bunch of people, great brewers. Um, we had been wanting to do a collaboration with them for a while, and uh, you know, our founder Josh, our brewmaster Jim, some other people went out to their brewery. We were like the away team in this collab, um, and they made a, Hef, a German Hefeweizen uh, with American dry hopping and. The whole idea is it's, like, got those tropical, pineapple-y, coconut-y notes of, like, these double dry hop IPAs, but the base style is very much like a classic German thing. So right. if you think about it, it's like William Sadler in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey wearing a Hawaiian shirt, but, like, you can drink it. <laughs> All right. I love that analogy. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds good. All right. And what is it? What's it called? Because that luau thing is probably not the official name. Later Hosen Luau, and it is going to be available at Rev tomorrow. It's going to be available at uh, all three of the breweries, I believe it's Lamont, St. Charles, and Roselle, uh, Pollyanna's uh, locations tomorrow as well. Very nice. All right, got to ask you, Jesse, because dry hop, dry hop works, 
hops are your deal there at Dry Hop Brewers. Um, yeah. Why, and, and we've talked about this before, I'm not a fan of real hoppy beers, but dry hop beers I really enjoy. What what sets that apart? Because for the for the uninitiated, you'll go, oh, hoppy is hoppy, but there there is a big difference. Yeah, so we you know we're really fortunate. We have a, a really amazing brewmaster. Um, Brent is has been in the industry for a long time, and the way you know we've talked about this before. I'm not a huge hop head, but. Dry Hop was always one of those breweries where I'd go there when I did want to taste hops and see what they were doing, and they're always really creative with it. Uh, we just did a beer. Um, it's like this international collab with other half in New York. It's called All Together, and we have Yuzu. So this beer is really cool because um, it you get these like really nice tropical hops, and they're also very citrusy. Then you add that Yuzu. So, like, this line between, uh, like, citrus bitterness and citrus uh, from the yuzu kind of, like, blurs. So you don't know if you're getting these citrus notes from the hops or from the yuzu itself. And, you know, it's cool that Brent plays with hops that way. And for for someone like me that's not a a hop guy, that kind of creativity is what draws me to those beers. Because otherwise, like, if I was at a bar, that's not what i go for. But if... I hear something like this. I'm like, all right, let me let me let me try this. And yeah, he like the more of his beers that I taste, the more I fall in love with hops. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, like how can you have a beer taste like mango and pineapple, and have there not be any mango and pineapple in the beer? It's that's an art form, and, and I think Brent's got it really, uh, you know, dialed in. I would I would say that it's the dark arts. Quite frankly, it doesn't seem natural that you can have those fruit flavors without fruit, but. Uh... You know me. I'm I think all... Brent's a witch. He's a, he's a warlock. He could be. This could be a whole Harry Potter uh, kind of thing going on. Tom is flailing about. He has a question, gentlemen. <laughs> Don't flail, Tom. Just ask. All right. He's, he's Jeez, very. Man. Listen. He 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 doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be an interloper. I've t- I told him he's always welcome to jump in. Well, <laughs> let me throw this question out to you: Are New England IPAs, hazy IPAs, and milkshade IPAs all the same or very similar? Uh, they're similar. John, you want to take this or want me to take it? John, go first, and then Jesse can jump in. Oh, now I feel bad. Jesse Jesse, and then make more milkshakes than we do. Well, the JDI. Oh. Just go ahead, John. (laughs) Go, John. Okay, okay. Sorry. Let me John's plane. Wow. (laughs) New England IPAs and hazy IPAs are the same thing. Uh, New England IPA was kind of the original moniker because a lot of these beers became really popular and kind of spread across the country from um, these New England breweries. Uh, Milkshake IPAs have an addition of lactose, which brings some sweetness and also some thickness and body to it. So, there's a kind of extra step to, uh, you know, lock in those sweet, fruity flavors. Jesse, you want to jump in and clarify some more? No, my, my partner in crime, he, he nailed it. Yeah, I just made a, an, uh, an ew noise, like a 16-year-old girl. Over which one, the lactose? The milk, the, yeah, the, the milkshake IPAs, my lord. I mean, it, yes, it's creative what people are doing, <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, it's overkill. These guys are like doing vanilla milkshake IPAs, and I'm like, this on a summer day, the last thing I want to drink is a milkshake beer. It's, it's that's just me. It it's, does it's seem gross. thick with a lot of viscosity. Yeah, well, it's, it's that that lactose that 
you know, it's 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 milk powder essentially, but it's like sugar. It's it's unfermentable sugars, and it's it gives that thickness and that sweetness, and it's just not again like something I do, do not want to drink when I'm already sweaty. All right, well, I'm going to, we've got to take a quick break. I've got another IPA question for you guys. Uh, John Carruthers is here. He's the marketing director for Revolution Brewing. At UT Chicago is his Twitter handle. Jesse Valenciana is the marketing director for Dry Hop Brewery Group. Uh, at Jesse Valenciana is how you find him on Twitter. If you have any beer-related questions, 312-981-7200. More with the guys in just a minute right here on 720 WGN. <laughs> Oh, we're heading into the weekend, and that means it's time for a beer. We are talking with John Carruthers from Revolution Brewing and Jesse Valenciana from the Dry Hop Brewery Group. They have Dry Hop Brewery, Corridor Brewery, uh, Crushed by Giants is coming. Uh, we were talking about IPAs and all the different kinds of IPAs, the New Englands, the Hazies, the Milkshake, and what I've been seeing a lot, uh, too, are juicy IPAs. What is uh, what is a juicy IPA? John. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, um, so juicy IPA, same thing, uh, just a lot of American hops, low bitterness, usually a little bit of salt to uh, kind of dry it out a little bit so you don't feel like you're crunching the beer between your teeth. But it's the same as like a New England and a hazy. It's just that juicy is kind of the taste descriptor that a lot of the fans of that style um, oh. like. So a lot of brewers just kind of put the word juicy out there on Front Street and let that do their marketing for them. Jesse, did you make an ooh sound for the juicy IPAs as well? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of juicies either, but uh, yeah, I did make that sound because I'm a child. All right, no, that listen, I, it's people need to know that just because you're in, you're a beer guy, and beer is your livelihood, doesn't mean you're like everybody else. We all have our favorites and our own styles, and we all like certain things. And it's funny if you've only, you know. Like growing up, I only drank old style and then Miller Lite, so I didn't even know what I liked. And then the more you try things, the more you like them. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is our number. We did get uh, Tom got a text, and he somebody wanted to know since you guys are such beer aficionados, do you have like a regular cheapy beer that you have as like a go to uh, in your in your refrigerator behind your you know your fancy beers? Or your beers, you know, your top choice beers. Is there a, is there a domestic, a big mass marketed beer that you go, yeah, when I'm outside cutting the grass, this is what I need. Or when I'm, you know, when I'm firing up my matching grills on my patio, this is what I drink. <laughs> Just the two H's, baby, hams and high life. <laughs> is that right? Hams and high life. <laughs> yeah, all day. I haven't I mean, had a hams in forever. I know it's from the land of sky blue waters. Waters. <laughs> Brian, you're missing out, man. You got to come back. All right, I'll come have some hams. Why not? So, all right, it's hams and high life for for Jesse, John. Um, I, I'm not going to jump on Jesse's hams thing because I agree 100. percent uh, for a little variety, I will say high life when I'm bowling. No, sorry, high life in the yard, MGD at the bowling alley, and old style in the kitchen, and never go wrong. Wow, I like all of these. All right, since you both picked hams. What makes hams a a good go to you know work a day beer? I I think it's a good it, it's it's got enough body without being too much. Uh, it doesn't have like the the, the sweetness uh, of, from the corn that High Life has. That's why I like High Life. But um, yeah, it, it's such a crusher for me. I can drink a, a, like a thirty pack and fight my dad. It, it's just great. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's a That's really the- good. Good 
beer. And when I'm grilling outside, <laughs> it's just it, that's my go-to. I'm, I'm just I'm hoping somebody from Hams was listening to that and goes into the office tomorrow and goes, I got the new slogan. Hams, <laughs> drink a 30-pack and fight your dad. <laughs> Hams, because you always wanted to fight your dad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hams, because your dad can't bring it. <laughs> and let's not forget, you know, you can get 30 hams for less than the price of two milkshake IPAs, you know, <laughs> that you have to stand in line for. That's true. And yeah. if you've stood in line all day and paid that much for two milkshake milkshake IPAs, you're not taking a swing at your dad. You're too tired. <laughs> no, and, you know, I kind of need all 30 to get up the courage to fight Jesse's dad, too. Yeah, Jesse's dad. <laughs> Jesse's dad's not to be trifled with. You know, it's just that mustache scares everybody off. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a good uh, a good stash. You know, I don't. Brian, uh, yes, I I've been really liking your facial hair, man. Oh yeah, you, thank you. That's very nice. Uh, speaking of stashes, yes, it's uh, you know, I think we're all doing crazy things during the uh, during the pandemic. The stay at home. My hair is now longer than it's been in probably 25 years, and um, I started with the beard, and now it's the Wyatt Earp with the little mustache and soul patch. I like it. I'm a fan. Well, thank you. John is probably in a tuxedo right now. No, 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 no. Uh, But I have my good uh, basketball shorts on. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, I do respect the institution of this show, even at home. I understand it. I appreciate it very much. All right, let's turn our attentions. Uh, The warm days, warm days have started coming. Uh, Summer beers are in the air. Uh, John, what do you see? What do you see for so? What are some styles? First of all, that people should be trying. We'll we'll start that way. Cool. Um, so you know, if you like a little bit of hops, you don't want to be hit over the head with it with like a guitar of hops. Um, <laughs> the American Pale Ale style is not an IPA. It is a smooth drinking, clean style with a little bit of bitterness that just kind of you know refreshes you for for more beer. Um, that would be my pick, but also, you know, like sours, uh, not sugary sours, but like some of these wild fermented sours are a thing. Like they're so dry on the palate. They're so tart and crisp and clean that it's like, you know, once it gets above 80, I'm trying to figure out what I got from off color in my fridge. What does that mean? Wild fermented? Um, so that means it uses natural bacteria, uh, to help ferment out some of the extra sugars and it adds a lot of those cool grassy tart, sometimes sweet, sometimes kind of funky notes to it. Um, but they also uh, dry out the beer more by fermenting more of the sugars. So it tastes really complex, really refreshing, uh, sometimes even seems sweet, but like it doesn't kind of bog you down and feel like a super sweet beer. You can get a lot of flavor into a beer that's like 3 4% alcohol. Oh, and those are, that's always good for the summer if you're going to be uh, doing a session, you know, sitting around having a couple. So who yeah, makes? So all right. Since John brought up American Pale Ales, give us uh, John and Jesse both give us uh, give us one that you would one or two American Pale Ales that you would suggest for summer drinking. Um, I actually I really enjoy Fist City from Revolution, but I have a really big crush on Tome from Half Acre. I, I they come in four packs, sixty ounce, and it's a beautiful, beautiful beer. And and to John's point, you know. Uh, you get that nice hoppiness. You got nice body, but you can have more than one of it. Um, so yeah, Tome by Half Acre is is tops on my list. John, what about you? You got a nice plug in there for? Are you going to thank Jesse for that Fist City plug, or are we just going to uh, go buy it? 
Oh, I yeah, I already I already texted him the heart emojis. It's a good <laughs> thing he has his phone on silent. We're just here dinging over here. <laughs> um, with respect to Mr. Valenciana, I would love to give people a recommendation that they could pick up at literally any Seven Eleven, any well, not any, but most gas stations, any corner store. Uh, check out Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Like that was at one point oh, the only pale ale you could get. Uh, it's still as classic and delicious as ever. It's not priced. Uh, it's not priced like a crazy craft beer. Like if you want to explore something new, you want to try an American pale ale that sets the standard. Like check it out. You can find it literally anywhere. I buy it at the Seven Eleven near my uh, near my house all the time. They've been, that that beer, the the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, that was like an OG of the craft beer movement, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Sierra Nevada was around before almost anyone was. Uh, they're still, I think, if, if you find a brewer and they don't look up to Sierra Nevada, I think maybe they just haven't done enough of their homework. <laughs> or they're yeah. just jealous. They're haters. Can't have the haters. Tom's got a, another question from somebody. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about a nice Bud Light Lime for a thirst quencher on a hot summer day? Pass. <laughs> All right, both both. It's what a hard you, pass for what, both of them. What would you recommend instead? Uh, I I would re- you know if you want I, I would go back to my senior year in college and probably go for the Miller Chill. They were a little ahead of their time. Green bottle, <laughs> twist of whatever spiritual uh, successor to Tequiza from the nineties. Uh, <laughs> stop me anytime, Brian. No, I'm gonna. I le- I love going down your alcohol past. <laughs> It's, it's very uh, no for for real though. If you really want something like a Bud Light Lime, get a good Mexican beer that you can find anywhere like Modelo. Twist some lime in it. It's yeah. always going to be better if you add lime yourself as opposed to letting you know like a shelf stable lime flavoring kind of like enter the mix. Yeah, and you're I couldn't uh, agree more. Yeah, because those things are uh, so. Oh, go ahead, Jesse. So you couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, I was going to say Modelo is great. Tecate in a can is. I mean, that reminds me of you know. Being a kid in Mexico, visiting family, there was always Tecate and there's always limes, and that's I would take that over Bud Light lime any day. All right, so you're still, you know, yeah. you, that, that's a that's a good thing. Since we brought up, you know, Tecate and all that, what about uh, for summer? What do you guys think of Mexican lagers? Is that a good summertime beer? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of different breweries are kind of doing their own take on it, but um, I always go to the classics. To, to John's point, Modelo is. Beautifully crafted beer. Uh, Tecate is like more of a working man's beer. Um, if you want a little bit more body, a little more flavor, uh, Negro Modelo is oh, yeah. is another wonderful beer. I don't. I'm not really I'm clapping I'm over not, here, uh, Jesse. What's that? I said I'm clapping over here. Negro Modelo is like my favorite, just grocery store beer. We were talking yeah. about Negro Modelo earlier, Tom. And I. It is. It's a phenomenal beer. Yeah, it, it's a fantastic beer. Um, you know, um, Victoria is also another a beer that doesn't get a lot of a uh, lot of attention, but uh, it's a sleeper. It's a, it's a pretty decent Mexican beer, Mexican lager. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a few more styles. So, guys, come up with some more uh, or have more summer beer styles ready to go with some examples. We will talk about that. And if you have a beer question, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. John Carruthers, Jesse Valenciana, they know anything. You could ask about beer, they will know. And if not, I will weep because uh, then they will have misrepresented themselves to me all these years and it'll make me uh, it'll make me sad, but I don't think that'll happen. 312-981-7200. We're at the Breweries on WGN. It's at the Breweries. 
I'm Brian Noonan in for Nick. Jesse Valenciana is um, with me. He is the marketing director of the Dry Hop Brewery Group. They have Dry Hop Brewery. They have Corridor Brewery. And uh, John Carruthers is the marketing director for Revolution Brewing. You know Revolution. Uh, if you don't, I don't know where you've lived. Uh, because if you're in Chicago, you know Revolution. And uh, you know Dry, dry Hop and uh, Corridor as well. And when does uh, Crushed by Giants open, Jesse? Um, we are hoping by July 4th um, to, to have at least crawlers to go. Uh, next week, we're actually doing, I think, three different brews. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I'd, I'd love to show you the space. It's beautiful. It's, it's the middle of downtown, which is cool because there are no other downtown breweries. And uh, we've got a really talented brewer in David Kearns. He's, his lineage is pretty impressive. Uh, work at Haymarket. Uh, Tribes Brewing okay. won a JBF award at Salamos, and then most recently was at Great Central. And uh, somehow we got lucky with the guy, and he, he joined our team. Um, so I'm excited to, to to be over there and brewing out of that space with him. That sounds excellent. All right, we uh, we had a question come in about gluten free beer. Do you guys know a gluten free beer that someone could get in kegs? Uh, I think what is it, Glutenberg or something? There's there's a, a pretty big. Well, relatively big brand that does uh, gluten-free. Okay. So people could just Google it, and they could probably find a keg. John, you have any info on that? Yeah. Um, gluten-free is a little tough just because a lot of that's done for, like, six packs and packaging and stuff. Okay. Uh, I would just advise whoever's looking for a keg of anything right now that a lot of people have scaled back kegging anything until we figure out when restaurants and bars <laughs> are going to open. So a little, little bit of a tough road to hoe, and I wish I had better news Was for it- that. Was yeah. it good news for the breweries when this got passed that uh, now bars can sell cocktails and beer to bars and restaurants can sell cocktails and beers to go? Was that is that an encouraging uh, thing for breweries around here? We with a licensing the way it is, um, if you have a manufacturing license, which we do because we're making beer, we're not allowed to sell uh, cocktails to go. Okay, so yeah, it doesn't really. Um, it doesn't affect uh, that business too much, but since our patio is open, that kind of softens the blow a little bit. Yeah. And re- same thing with Revolution, then, John. Yeah, but uh, you know, just as a, you know, a brewery with a decent amount of distribution and tap handles, um, you know, we're happy that whatever keeps these neighborhood bars going during this like really terrible time <laughs> for neighborhood bars, like you know, whatever's good for them is good for us. Perfect. And again, if people want to know a little more about like how this legislation is affecting people on the ground, uh, at Chicago Bars on Twitter is the number one source for like hospitality, bartending, restaurant news in Chicago. At Chicago yeah. Bars. All right. Yeah, it's not me, by the way. No, I'm I... not nearly this attention to detail. Yeah, well, I think we've all figured that out in the best <laughs> possible way. Uh, Mark wants to jump on. He's got a question for you guys. He's in Logan Square. Hi, Mark. Hey, how's it going, boys? We are doing all right, Mark. Hey, Mark. All right, sounds good. Um, well, my favorite summer beer—it's just basic old uh, Miller Lite. You know, it's a nice light beer. But uh, my favorite beer of all time—it's very hard to find. You can only find it in kegs now. They used to sell it by the pint. Is uh, German beer? It's not real dark. Uh, it's BBK. It's a very, oh, yeah. very good beer. It's not real heavy. It's got a multi taste to it. I mean, it, it's just a, a the perfect beer for me. Have you heard of that one, guys? BBK. 
Yeah. So I, I'm a I'm a Lincoln Square uh, slash Ravenswood guy, and actually, like all the old German guys back when we still had you know all these bars open, um, you can find BBK handles like kind of surprisingly frequently up here, like at the Hooten Bar or even at like um, Red Lion Lincoln Square. Uh, it's it is a delicious beer. I have had many a happy uh, session in front of the Hooten Bar, <laughs> open windows with a BBK. It doesn't sound too bad. Oh, right absolutely. About well, thank you, thank you for the the tip. I'll I'll take a look up there someday. All right, thanks for the call, Mark. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. Mark. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, so, oh, and now, oh, Joe has a question about a classic beer. Are you guys ready for that? He's in Downers Grove. Hi, Joe. Yeah. How are you guys? We're great. Hey, Joe. Super. Have you guys hey. ever heard of Old Frothing Slosh? <laughs> <laughs> It's a Pennsylvania that, beer, and the foam winds up on the bottom of the glass. I, you know, I, I, I suggested these guys try it out on me, and they did. And I said, "How in the hell do they do that?" I have never, I, I've never heard of it. Have you guys heard of it? I have. It's, it's, it's got that really goofy can light. It's got like a, oh gosh, at Maria's in Bridgeport in Chicago, they have one of their cans in the bathroom. It, it, it's got like a. Like a very curvaceous lady, right on the, on the yes, can. Yes, I'm looking at it now. It does a very uh, Rubenesque bathing beauty. Yeah. There you go. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I remember that can. <laughs> you're you're in the bathroom, like drying your hands. You're like, what is this? I love it. <laughs> so you've seen the can, but have you? You've never had the beer. I've never had the beer. All right, Joe. You have now put uh, us on a quest. Ah, uh, yes, Joe. I'm. I'm sorry, in my home we obey the laws of liquid dynamics, and I can't sign off on this foam on the bottom business. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. It goes okay. back to black magic. Joe, thank you for the call. You bet. Bye-bye. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, foam on the bottom would freak me out. I'm going to be honest with you. It would well, freak me out. you're drinking while you're lying down, that's, that's what happens, I think. I, I, I think. I don't know. Could be. Science. Science. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Jesse's always up to talk about saisons. Saisons are a very popular, uh, very popular style of beer. I know at uh, Corridor, uh, you guys have a saison with ginger and yuzu, which are two words. I don't even know if they're actually words. But uh, what are saisons, and are they a good are they a good warm weather beer? I you know I love saisons because they they've, they've they're nice and and they've got that like strawy kind of. Uh, taste them, and they're they're also really excellent food beers. So, summertime for me, it's always behind the grill, and there's nothing better than a, a good solid saison when you're when you're grilling out. And you know, we do a more adventurous saison at, at Corridor, the one with the yuzu, and um, it's fantastic beer. And actually, we've we've won a couple of GABF awards with our, our Belgian beers. But um, yeah, uh, Cruz Blanca does an amazing beer. Right. An amazing saison with grapefruit. It's called Paloma, and like if you taste that, I'm not a big grapefruit guy, but it just works perfectly with that saison. And uh, and again, for me, I'm always like trying to drink beers that not only are light, um, but go with my food because you know that's that's kind of that's been my thing for a while, like food and beer, food and beer. So uh, right. that, that's why I go for for saisons. And John, what about you? Is a saison, John, the same as a farmhouse ale, or is this a, that a different thing? So it kind of depends on what brewery is doing the talking. Generally, yes, but I've seen like Spotted Cow uh, talked about as a farmhouse ale, and and that's not at all. 
But uh, no. it's, <laughs> it, what would you what would you say really, that yeah. is then, John? What would you say that spotted cow is for those of those north of the Cheddar Curtain? Gosh, that's kind of like a Midwestern style cream ale. It's I I just call it spotted cow. It's a wonderful beer. I'm not yeah. trying to. I'm right. not trying to grab out it. I've got a bunch at home from the last uh, trip north of Curtain. Yes. Oh no, it is a good. Um, but I, they do they do position it as a farmhouse ale. Yeah, so, I, I will say. Oh, sorry, Justin. Increasingly, like farmhouse and sales are kind of getting the same talking points from brewers lately, like craft brewers. Um, so yeah, like the the whole idea, of, like saison comes from. And you can gong me if this gets boring, but like the name Saison comes from the itinerant farm workers uh, uh, that used to like work on these farms and have these, you know, kind of low ABV, refreshing table beers, as well as cool wild fermentation character. The right. end. So if you had to pick one, if you were if you were going to pick your a Saison that you were going to enjoy uh, tomorrow, John, what one would you pick? I mean, if I'm picking something. Not Belgian because I go nuts for the Belgians. Uh, just give me Apex Predator from Off Color, one of the variants they have. They make wonderful, complex, easy drinking beers. They make great beers, and they are on. Uh, it's just south of North Avenue, across from IO. What's the what's that street that they're on? Uh, Ma- uh, Marcy is it? Mm, no, it's not no. Marcy. It's uh, it's not Blackhawk. It's. Um, <laughs> I, you guys weren't prepared. Kingsbury. Kingsbury, Kingsbury that's Kingsbury. it. I was going to say, I didn't prepare you for geography questions. I apologize <laughs> for putting you on the spot. Uh, Jesse, you mentioned Cruz Blanca's got Paloma for the Saison. Do you have another one that you would uh, you would put in there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you really want to understand the style of beer that Saison is, you know, that really nice, like the, the high carbonation, uh, the spice and slight fruitiness, go for the original, the Saison DuPont. Um, that's that's oh, yeah. Saison. Yeah. It's a beautiful beer. So um, that's why I miss the map room so much. They they, they usually have that on, on tap. But Saison uh, DuPont is the one beer. Start there and then get adventurous. All right. That's the way to go. We brought that. We brought that into the studio and spilled it a bit, right, Jesse? Yes, yes, you did. That's I miss. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for this to be over so we could do this in person again. Um, all right. <laughs> I, Tom asked me a question earlier tonight. I want to put it to you guys, and it's it's difficult, and just know that we only have about a minute. So, your Desert Island beer. Take a second to think about it while I plug you, and then I will get your answers. John Carruthers, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at UT Chicago. He's the marketing director for Revolution Brewing, RevBrew.com. Jesse Valenciana is the marketing director for Dry Hop Brewery Group. They have Dry Hop uh, Chicago Corridor Brewery. Uh, you can go to at Jesse Valenciana and follow him on Twitter. This is at the breweries. All right, boys, I've given you not enough time to come up with the answer, but we will start with John, your Desert Island beer. All right, since we're not plugging our own stuff, I only have one choice. With much love for Chicago, it's still Guinness for me. All right. If you were pl- if you were plugging a, a Revolution product, what would you take with you? Ooh, Fifth City all day, man. All right, very good. All right, Jesse? Uh, my my all-time favorite beer, uh, I've had a question for the last two years, it's uh, Cruz Blanca. They do this toasted coconut uh, porter, and I can drink that year-round. It's Freaking beautiful, and, and that yeah, Great beer. that's one beer. Wow, a, a toasted coconut porter. Yeah, they, I mean they don't have their toasted coconut IPA. So, uh, um, yeah, the, I'll, I'll go with the porter. 
All right. Uh, again, you can go to RevBrew.com for all Revolution stuff. You can go to CorridorChicago.com for Corridor Brewing. You can go to DryHopChicago.com to get all of that. And uh, I am going to I'm going to make a run either to Rev or Pollyanna tomorrow, depending on where my car is pointed, to try some of this later house later hosen luau because it sounds uh, sounds crazy fantastic. Awesome. All right. Are you going to visit me? Uh, yes, I'll come to dry up. Uh, maybe I'll come and pick maybe. some. I'll, yes, we will. We are all going to get together. I've, what do all you right, got coming good. out new? You got all the great house beers at Corridor, all of them at Dry Hop. I will drink all of them, uh, and we will do this. Hopefully, now that we can gather in groups of ten or less, we can do it soon. John, Jesse, thank you very much. As always, it is good to talk to you, and uh, thanks for all the great information. Let's do this, and it's news time. WGN. It's Brian Noonan in for Nick one more time. Nick will be back with you a Sunday night into Monday morning. 312-981-7200 is how you get involved in the program. No matter what we're talking about, it's always more fun to talk to you. So feel free to jump on in. All right, we were talking about beer. Now sometimes you might want to have a beer and then watch a movie. Well, if you've been listening to the news, you know some of the big theater chains, AMC in particular, is saying they don't don't think they're going to survive the pandemic. They've got... You know, so much overhead, so many places uh, that are open. Then you hear news about Cinemark saying they're not going to require masks. Well, these are all big chains, and that's all well and good. But what about the smaller theaters, the independent cinemas that are in your neighborhood, especially places that are so woven into the community, like the Music Box Theater at 3733 North Southport here in Chicago, celebrating 90 years. Unbelievable. The general manager of the Music Box Theater, Ryan Ostreich, is my guest. He joins me now on WGN. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Brian. It's, uh, it's nice to be on the show. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. I think we have talked before because uh, my old producer, Cody, uh, is a not only a huge fan of the Music Box, he co-opted your marquee for his engagement. <laughs> that Cody. That Cody. Okay. Yes, that Cody. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this connection that we've got. I yes. do. It, that's, I, and I also love those requests. I mean, it, it, there's nothing more heartening than than uh, asking somebody to do you a favor. That uh, that's a big question like that, or a big big milestone for them. I I just I, I enjoy those moments of my job. Well, that is that is a connection that the music box can have that a random cineplex at the mall cannot have, and that's why it's so important for uh, for independent theaters like yourself to keep going. Now, what's it like? 90 years is amazing to to have that kind of support. What I know you had different things planned for the celebration, and then the virus decided to throw a monkey wrench into all that. How are you marking 90 years? Well, I mean, we've you know, we, we started our, our, our kickoff of our 90th year back in August. So we've really just been kind of, uh, we were running on high speed, honestly. Uh, we were, we were, at, we were running on all cylinders. We were doing our, all of our greatest hits, you know, from, you know, our sing-along sound of music to our Christmas shows. And oh we were, we were in the midst of our uh, fan favorite 70 millimeter film festival when we got, sh- when we had to shut down. Um, and so, you know, for, for our 90 years, we were, we were, we were riding high. I mean, it was just, it was, it was was everything we, I had been plotting and planning for and ways of celebrating and both, 
experimenting, but giving giving the customers also what they love and doing new things and bringing back old things. And yeah, I just, I can't tell you all of the great things we had been doing and we're still doing and had coming up. And, and then it was just like, pause button. Ugh. And then you're just like, and then at some point static comes over your screen and you're just like, huh, well, <laughs> we're going to get back to this. I think well, we're going yeah. to come back around. We're going to show you more movies and have more guests and do more of the things you love at some point. And it just <laughs> seems to have gotten longer and longer. The wait and the, and the certainty has become more and more shrouded and, and, and uh, confusing, you know, but uh, we really were having a great 90th year. I promise you, we, we uh, ask anybody who's been coming to the theater in the last six months, and they'll tell you that, you know, they, they've seen a lot, and they've, they've inter- interacted with a lot of great filmmakers and guests and, and memorable shows. I mean, um, yeah, it's been a hell of a 90th, but uh, but also one that I'll, we'll never forget, considering what we're currently going through. Yeah, that is uh, that is an understatement to say the least. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the future, and then and we're also going to talk about what's going on now and how people can keep the Music Box Theater going, and the importance of uh, independent theaters and things like that. But you're you're a business that works with crowds. Your your whole thing is getting a lot of people into the theater to for your events and your films and all of this what kind of challenge are you going to face going forward when the, when the city finally does say, okay, we, we're into phase four, theaters can start to reopen. What's the music box going to look like when somebody comes into a, to a movie? Uh, well, the reality of that statement is the music box will not reopen in phase four because the restrictions that the city have placed on us for what stage four will look like are too onerous and we will lose a lot of money just to open. Wow. In, in what ways? Yeah. Well, so what happened with their phased reopening plan, which had a lot of really good things in it in terms of social distancing and masks and sanitation and all of the things that you needed to be smart about, you know, in terms of running a business and mitigating risk, because you want to keep your staff safe and you want to keep your customers safe. So what's the best thing to do? Well, bring that risk level down as low as you possibly can go and ask, you know, both your staff to be, you know, um, policing themselves and ask your customers to be policing themselves. And so we were ready and we understood everything we were going to need to do, but then this phased opening came out and all of the restrictions we'd been planning for were there, except this one extra one that was, oof, it kind of killed us. We are a venue that has two auditoriums, okay? okay? And the important auditorium is the historic main theater it has 750 seats now what these restrictions say is you can only have 50 people in there oh that's it so 50 people in a 750 seat auditorium that six percent capacity that's socially distancing of 25 feet a person right and it's not taking into account our overhead and what it costs to run the building so it really pretty much just annihilates us and makes us lose even more money reopening than we would be if we were staying closed or not closed per se, but what would current operations are, which we can come back to. Yes. So we are really in a bad place because if they don't change phase four's restrictions, then we will not reopen until phase five, which if you've read the plan, phase five is no new cases for a certain amount of time, strong and useful antivirals or a vaccine. 
So when when are we going to get to phase five? I don't know. And it's pretty bad for us right now. We're feeling pretty bleak. We don't know what the future is going to be if if our our elected officials don't try to change this one size fits all number to a formula of a ratio of fire code capacity or square footage. I mean, the music box is massive. It's seven thousand right. square feet. The one auditorium. So we just we need them to. We need them to to adjust that number for us so that we can really actually even open in phase one. If they don't adjust the number, then I'm sad to say, you know, people won't know the music box until the, for a longer period of time. Now, I'm, we're going to revisit this. i got to take a quick break, Ryan. But uh, Ryan Ostrike is my guest. He's the general manager of the Music Box Theater. You know where the Music Box is, 3733 North Southport in Chicago. Musicboxtheater.com. That's theater with an R-E because they're fancy at the Music Box and they're historic. And they're celebrating their 90th anniversary. We're going to talk more with Ryan and uh, take your questions. 312-981-7200. It's WGN. Businesses are hurting all over during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. We we know that. We hear about restaurants and bars and nail salons. And maybe you're not thinking about movie theaters at this moment as you sit in front of the TV streaming something. We got news that AMC, the big theater chain, is saying they might go out of business. But what about the fine, the wonderful independent cinemas right here in Chicago, especially the Music Box Theater that has been celebrating and uh, celebrating their 90th anniversary all year. Ryan Ostrike is the general manager of the Music Box. Ryan, right before we took the break, you were talking about the the really hard line requirements that the Music Box is going to have to jump through to to finally open. We all know the Illinois Restaurant Association lobbies for restaurants, and they work with the the city to to deal with that. Do independent theaters have that sort of group, or or is it all up to you and the Music Box to to Talk to the city by yourselves. So um, there is a, a, a there is a, a national association. Uh, it's called NATO of theater owners. Not to be confused with the other NATO. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say um, you guys are pretty and, well connected. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> um, but uh, but there is this organization that that all uh, movie theaters across the country. I mean, if they choose to pay their dues and be a part of. But even but inside of that, there's an Illinois chapter, okay. which we you know we pay much smaller dues. But you know we have kind of a, a group that tries to you know talk to our elected officials and whatnot to basically say, hey, here are some guidelines and restrictions we are willing to put on ourselves. So please here take up these offerings, look through them, and see if you're willing to kind of use them as a template to put onto us for when we reopen. And so. The Illinois NATO did work together with actually the Illinois Restaurant Association to try to come up with our own uh, volunteer guidelines for everything. And, um, you know, we we were hoping to be treated very similar uh, to be to restaurants. And, you know, what we don't know is whether they're going to change that hard and fast number of 50 people to like a percentage of capacity. Yeah which, you know, if they even gave us 25% capacity, which is what we heard the Illinois Restaurant Association was asking for, we could reopen in phase four. At 25% capacity, that's that's, that's enough seats for us. Okay. So we're kind of hoping that that kind of becomes a thing because the rest of the restrictions that they're asking for are things we would want to do, you know, having our employees wear masks and gloves and extra sanitizing uh, of things and, you know, basically doing assigned seating and, and spacing out seats so that everything is socially distanced and, you know, and also, um, 
you know, uh, you know, taking the temperatures of our employees and then basically sending them home and giving them sick time if they're sick so that, you know, they can not be at work and be paid but not have to worry about losing their job, you know, and becoming in sick so that nobody has those concerns. So, like, all these things we're prepared for and happy to do, um, you know, just to, to give everybody either the, the real safety or even just the peace of mind. And the thing that people forget about with the way this virus works is it's all about close uh, confined spaces where also people are talking heavily and really right. kind of uh, transmitting it. Now, now think about how you would do that in a in a setting where you're in a group or a party of people. But in a movie theater, everybody is sitting pretty right. quietly, not talking, barely breathing too heavily, socially distanced, and all watching a movie. Right. You're right, not, and all facing the same whole, way. They're not. You're not exactly. looking at somebody else. There's not a whole lot of, of what what the bigger concern of, of how transmission goes. So even in that sense, our section of entertainment it should be treated a little bit differently. And I'm not asking, you know, for like some ungodly number of like, let me have 100% capacity because I'm, I don't want to take that risk, right. not for my employees and not for my customers. But also, I just I just feel like, you know, they lumped us into phase four. And I was I'm just still really hoping that they can kind of carve something out to say, OK, movie theaters. You know, that was our early modeling. Here's here's something yeah. more that can work for you so that really we can reopen and reopen in a way that we're not going to lose money um, because that's what we need to do as independent theaters. I mean, AMC, I mean, what they're talking about, and they're not really being honest, all they're talking about is going bankrupt right. and not paying their debt. And basically what they'll do is they'll just close the, the theaters that weren't making the big month, amounts of money. And then once they reorganize and refinance their business, they'll reopen yeah, all the fine. other theaters that were making money and they'll still be AMCs. But like a mom and pop shop and independently owned like the music box, that doesn't work. No, <laughs> no. If <laughs> you're, you're gone, you're gone. Right. And then so what happens with an independent place like that is if you're gone, you're gone. Well, then. I mean, if a movie theater goes out of business and cannot be a movie theater again, then what happened to that building, right? And it's right. not like it's suddenly going to become a movie theater again. It could get redeveloped or something worse. Yeah. So, you know, we we just need some some path, a sliver, something to figure out how we can do this, um, you know, with a little bit more understanding of that our business is different than, say, a restaurant or different than say a music venue. Now, is your alderman? I, I don't know who your alderman is. Are they being? Are they helpful at all? Or your your congressperson? Are they? Are, are you able so to I've talk to, to them? My state representative, my state senator, and my alderman, and everybody knows and seems to care about the music box and hears sure. me. Um, but they all seem to say it comes down to the public health department and what they say. So they 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 take my story and my concerns and they say they pass it on. But that they also say, please understand that, you know, that the, the task force that the mayor appointed is working hand in hand with the public health department. It's really going to be decided by the public health department. So I don't really know how much they can do for me. They say they're trying, but sure. And I believe them because they, you know, I've seen them at the movie theater before. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah so I don't know. you better I, step up a little bit. I hope. I hope so. You know, I mean. I need I need it. My employees oh, need yeah. it. You know, I feel like the customers want it. You know, we all need a little escape from this this insane world right now. Definitely. Now, what uh, in no matter when you reopen, and I'm going to say when because I'm I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope for the best. But the customers would have to wear face coverings, correct? 
Because that's a statewide thing. So we would, we would ask them to wear a face covering up until when they got to their seat. Because okay. the way the restrictions work is when, when you are within six feet of one another and, you know, talking or mm-hmm. breathing in that air, you're supposed to be wearing a face mask. But when you are seated and you're socially distanced and you're not sort of, you know, uh, you know sort of moving in any way or you're breathing heavily, then, then the risk goes down dramatically. So what we would ask for our customers is you wear a mask when you come in, you wear a mask if you do any interaction with us for, say, like get a ticket or concessions or whatever, and, and then at least wear that mask down to where your seat is. Okay. Um, and then, you know, after that, we would hope, you know, people would probably do the best practices. But as we know, you can't drink your beer with your popcorn because you can get beer at the music box. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't drink beer with on. a mask. And you don't want to put a no. straw in a beer. That's no good. You don't want to enjoy it that way. That's, that's a little weird. That that's is, that's that. very weird. But, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, Ryan. Sometimes, uh, you know, <laughs> if, if I got to do it, I got to do it. That's how it's going to go. All right. We're, we know that uh, things, are, things are dire now. But... People can still help support the music box. There's a lot of uh, there's uh, things going on at the music box because you know, again, if you live in that neighborhood, you've you've been to the music box, you've seen the music box. If you live in the Chicago area, you know, you know about the music box. You may you may have gone to one of the fine programs. You may have gone to a seventy millimeter. These are these are the parts of Chicago that we really need to watch out for. Small businesses, independent businesses. Um, all right, so let's get in. Let's get in uh, to how people can how people can help. What what can you do to still enjoy the music box and support the music box, even though we can't physically go and sit in the theater? Well, there's 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 one thing you can do, which is exactly the type of thing you would get from the music box, and that's watch a movie. So, on our YouTube page, we did a nice recording of our our house organist playing what he normally does on a Friday or Saturday night. So right then and there, and this is free. Anytime you're going to watch a movie, you can bring a little bit of the music box into your home right before it with that nice intermission music that we're known for. Nice. But then beyond that, if you want to support us directly, you can go to our website, and we're still curating movies. We've got some independent distributors who've been making these movies available to us where basically they create a page that's got the music box logo on it, and it's like a ticket price. It's like 12 bucks, and even if you know you're watching it, with a couple of people, but it's still 12 bucks, and we get 50% of that ticket price from that distributor. So, nice. you know, we're kind of still curating these movies that we would have played on our big screen, and you can basically say, oh, yeah, I, I like this one that the music box picked out, like this documentary or this comedy or whatever, and so you could watch it right there, and that's supporting us. So that's that's like a direct way of still feeling like you're at the movies or at least that you're watching movies and, and knowing us for that way. But if you, you know, if you want to go beyond that, um, we've got merchandise for sale. Um, you know, you can buy something for yourself, like a pin or a mug or somebody for a friend. Uh, we have memberships that you'll be able to take advantage of when we reopen, and those take, get you discounts and free movies. Um, and then we also have gift cards, of course, so that you could use those when we reopen, when we reopen. And, and like you said, when we reopen, cause we're going to reopen. I like yeah. that optimism. You gotta, you gotta um, keep those thinking are that always, way. those are all ways you can support us. And, you know, hopefully the other thing that we're working on is the drive-in. And so I'm hoping we're going to get this drive-in off the ground. And if we do, that would be another way you support us. You just comes to move in your car, you know? Now we're, That'd be we're cool. Let's say we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to hear about this idea. Then we'll talk. Let's talk about a few of the movies that uh, the Music Box is curating on the virtual cinema. And 
You forgot you forgot a, a perfect accoutrement to go with one of these movies that we're going to be streaming at home. So we'll talk about that too. Uh, Ryan Ostrick is the general manager of the Music Box Theater, thirty-seven thirty-three North Southport. Musicboxtheater.com is the website. More with Ryan and your questions. If you have a question for Ryan, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. After this, WGN. I'm tempted to just let this uh, song go because I love this song. It's nothing against Ryan Ostrike, the general manager of Music Box Theater, but uh, I don't know why this song speaks to me, and yet it does. But songs speak to you, movies speak to you, and if you want to see movies at the Music Box Theater, well, you can't go in there right now, but you can still see films through the Music Box and support the Music Box Theater with their virtual cinema. Now, I have I mentioned, Ryan, before, before we left that you had forgotten something that I think I can't go to the movies without popcorn and uh, Junior Mints, and you mentioned I can get beer at the, at the Music Box Theater, but what if I want all your other treats? Can I get some treats and then bring them home and go to the virtual cinema? You absolutely could. I can't believe I forgot Music Box <laughs> to go. They, these are our crafted packages for you, the popcorn, the movie popcorn loving, uh, either you're soda drinking or beer drinking or wine drinking uh, and candy. You know, we basically have these packages online. You go on there and you, you say, I like this type of candy. I like this type of wine or this type of beer. We call them our PG or our rated R packages. And, uh, and basically it's pretty slick on Fridays and Saturday nights. You can plug it in, uh, pick up, a, have a pickup time, swing by, give us a call, say you're outside. We run it out to you. And then you head home and you set up your, your, your screening at, 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 at in the comfort of your couch and you got, you know, movie popcorn. So yeah, we, we have other ways to support us and also enjoy the way you support us with, with uh, music box to go. All right, let's. Uh, we're going to get into some of the films that you're running in the during the virtual cinema. But before we left, you also said there's a, an idea for a drive-in. What is that all about? Well, you know, one thing that uh, that you know is all about safety and what's going on with the pandemic is how do you socially distance, but also watch movies as like a community. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's been around honestly since the birth of cinema, like the very first drive-in came about in 1932 is, you know, taking your car and packing it full of people or not and driving uh, to a, a giant outdoor space and watching a movie on a, a really big screen. Yeah. And so there are drive-ins still in this country. There used to be in the 60s, There, I think at the peak of the 60s, there was like 5,000 drive-in screens across the United States, but now it's down to... 340 wow. however they're making a comeback because right. this is how people can come together and see movies right now so our idea is why not why not a drive-in in the city of chicago proper yeah you could do it in so, you know, uh, the parking lots down by a soldier field you could do it there's a lot of places you could do it so we sourced all of the stuff we need to create a drive-in now we just need to find the, the pro- right property owner to give us the space because we can't really pay for a space on top of all yes. the other costs for it. So we're really working hard to find somebody who's like, I want to do, you know, my, my, my parking lot, my, my empty lot. It's not yeah. doing me any good right now. Why not, why not I help the music box? How much space do you need? So, uh, so for, for the setup that we're looking to do, because right now we, we have a 42 foot screen. So to make it a good uh, presentation for everybody, we're looking for a 300 by 300 foot square 300 by 300 foot square which would hold about how many cars uh between 150 and 200 cars all right listen there's people there's people listening right now who have some land 
you you know somebody who owns a parking lot you know you know people aren't driving anywhere everybody's working from home let's step it up and the good thing here is we can put this thing on there and remove it without putting anything in the ground we've figured this all out see so it's not so. Gonna, not going to damage anything and maybe maybe you nope. have a, a parking lot that you people only use during the week for business well why not friday and saturday night man it's Let's do well, it. Up. Here's the thing about movies. It could be weeknights too because sure. we can't start the movies until sundown. Nobody's parking after seven eight, seven o'clock. I got you, Ryan. Listen, so, we're gonna we're gonna keep harping on this. Somebody out there has a space because this is a fantastic idea. And just you mentioned they're on a comeback. Just a couple weeks ago, uh, there were some in the suburbs and uh, that were opening up, and lines were forming in the middle of the day. People, it's a nice it's a nice nostalgic throwback. To go to the drive-in, you know, some people some exactly. people have never been to a drive-in. It's it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, it really is. I I I actually did it when I was a kid, and uh, you know, the only problem with that I stopped going is because the, you know they kept closing, and so now the <laughs> furthest one I could go to was like an hour drive, and I'm like, yeah. an hour drive? I'll be back at two or three in the morning. That's insane. Yeah, that's the. So there's why a not point. why not put it in Chicago and people can get there in fifteen or twenty minutes? Oh well, depending on traffic. So. And if somebody's listening and they they're thinking I might be able to I might be able to help this, how can somebody get a hold of you, Ryan, to uh, to talk about this? Just email me, just Ryan at musicboxtheater dot com. You can find me on the website. Perfect. All right. Okay. Let's. Uh, so so that's that's an exciting idea. Hopefully that comes about. Uh, let's talk about some of the some of the uh, films that you've got going through this virtual cinema because um, I've. Oh, before we do that, this was a question I wanted to answer. I had this question, and then yeah. I got I got all worked up over trying to find a you know a lot for the drive-in, and I forgot it. <laughs> Other theater, you know, big chain theaters are always complaining that people are you know they're staying home to watch movies. Your clientele is is different because you're not showing the run of the mill stuff that's being being streamed or that you can watch you know at the mall or whatever. So is that once things reopen? Are you confident that that your your customers are going to come back? Whereas other, you yeah. know, some of these chains are like, well, they might not. And people, you know, for that, I agree. You know, people might not go back. But they can't see what they can see at the music box anywhere else. That's correct. And that and that's what makes it special. But that's not the only reason people are going to come back. We're, we're, we're an historic, atmospheric landmark right. that, you know, it gives a different sense of what, watching a movie together. It's more of like an experience of going to church. The yeah. people that are there want to be there. They're choosing to spend their money there because they love movies so much. You know, if, 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 if the run-of-the-mill movie theater is questioning if it will have a life after the pandemic, well, it should have been questioning what its life was before the pandemic. What's it doing for its customers? What experience is it giving? What makes it more of a community space? than any other movie theater. And the music box specifically prides itself on, on how it engages and how it creates community for people who love watching movies together. And so that's why I do not fear the future of the music box. And, and it's, it is completely okay that when we reopen, if we reopen with restricted capacities and if people aren't sure they want to come back right away, that's okay because over time we're all going to get more confident and better things are going to come out of our health system and ways for us to manage this thing so that, you know, we're going to get back to the old music box of yore that we all know and love. It'll right. come back to that. Well, and it's the way you describe it is perfect, because going in, 
it used to be you'd go to the movies and they were all big auditoriums like you. You said 750 seats in the, in the historic auditorium. That's how all theaters used to be. Now, a lot of times it's like going to a movie in somebody's garage. They're, they, they chop them up at the multiplex. They, everything, there's, no, there's no atmosphere. There's nothing that makes it seem special, which I think is why a lot of people don't treat it as, as special. You know, they don't come oh, in. They're not reverent. They're not quiet. Right. Yeah, because they don't they don't care as much about, you know, the experience that they're sharing with other people. They're not thinking about the the place there. And they're just they're like they're they're in their re- these recliner seats that make them think that they're at home. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. they're eating this gourmet food that they might they might make at home. So they're, it, if, if anything is trying to give them that at home experience, which is that at, at home attitude. Right, which is your yeah. phone can come out at any time, and you can you think you can pause the damn movie, but you can't. That's not how movies work. Right, and the They're person next to you theaters. doesn't care who you're texting. Nobody, nobody nope, cares. They don't care. <laughs> All right, let's look at some of these. There's a you guys have an a documentary that's on the virtual cinema that I hadn't heard of, and it sounds it sounds really interesting. What is Hail Satan? <laughs> oh yes, Hail Satan. Uh, so this one came out a couple of years ago, but we brought it back uh, with this distributor who was bringing back these really good documentaries. It's about the Church of Satan, which which makes you wonder, okay, this is all a, a glorification of Satanists. Right. But it's actually really not. It, it, what it really looks at with the, the Church of Satan is what the underlying purpose of the Church of Satan is, which is about protest and freedom of speech and the way... Uh, that the way that things can get uh, misclassified and mis- misrepresented and stereotypes can be created. And so it's actually a really fascinating documentary that looks at people who, you know, call themselves Church of Satanists, but how how their lives are affected by that. And it, it, it was such a fun film that we played at the Music Box, and I think it was a year and a half ago we played this film, because we actually had, like, churchgoers coming out to, like, protest our screening of this oh, movie geez. but we were like telling them no 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 please come in and watch the documentary before you judge it because we are trust me this is not this is not anti-religion pro-religion this is not pro-satanism and whatnot it's actually much more of an interesting piece about you know kind of american society and free speech and all that kind of stuff and so we were excited when this distributor was like hey do you want to Bring back Hail Satan, and we were like, absolutely. That that's a that's a really great documentary to like strike up a conversation with people about. And what else? What else is available? Uh, give me another one on the uh, virtual cinema. Well, I'll give you two. If you okay. if you want a good drama that sort of kind of takes you back, so kind of in this in the sense of repertory or classic movies, I really recommend The Gray Fox. It's a story about a man coming out of prison and trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life. So he goes back to train Robin, which okay. is how he got in prison the first time. And then the other one is a little bit more lighthearted, but it's, it's cynical and snarky. And it's funny. It's uh, it's called lucky grandma. And it's about an octogenarian uh, Chinese grandma in New York. Who's a, it was a gambling fiend and she gets herself <laughs> in the wrong gambling den and has to find her way out with, you know, if you could think Chinese mobsters and things, it's, it's, it's it's really good. You'll be shocked at how much you enjoy this movie. Very nice. Now tomorrow you have so, you have a movie opening, uh, or I guess later today because it's after midnight. Uh, and for what we're going through, it seems like a very fitting film to be running now. Oh yeah, well we yeah we have actually a couple. We've got Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am, and Who Streets, uh, which are both really powerful. 
um, uh, documentaries, uh, you know, talking about African-American issues or specific Toni Morrison and what she had done uh, through her writing and whatnot. Um, and so for us, we thought, you know, the best way to have a conversation about what's going on is to, is to, is to listen to a story or understand a subject through, through the medium of movies because there's nothing more in, 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 empathetic than sitting down and watching and, and, and listening or, or, or ha- seeing a conversation unfold. And so these two documentaries, I think, are really strong. And I think, uh, you know, for anybody who wants to take this conversation that we're having nationally and, and make it a little bit more focused for an hour and a half, these documentaries are great watches. They really are and makes you really think about things. And before I let you go, tell people again how they go about getting, getting the virtual cinema in their home. So just go to musicboxtheater.com, and then it says virtual cinema, or just scroll down below that, and you'll see all the films uh, that are listed that you could rent uh, online right now. And basically, you just click over to the link of the movie, and you rent it, and it's like a 24- or 48-hour period of time where you get to watch this movie on your computer, or you hook up the computer to your TV. And, and it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a great way to watch the movie from your home, but also be supporting Music Box. Yep, because a portion of the proceeds go right to the Music Box. And if you're in the neighborhood, or even if you're not in the neighborhood, call ahead, swing by, get your Music Box to go, and you can get your popcorn and your candy and uh, everything else, and it'd be all set up for a wonderful night. Uh, Ryan, it is always good to talk to you. Good luck. I hope I hope the city starts taking things into advantage because six percent, like you said, six percent occupancy. It's not you can't. You you got to do it. You got to get up to where everybody else is. But uh, good luck. Keep in touch, and we will uh, hope to see you at the music box very soon. Well, thank you so much, and thanks to all the listeners, and hope to hear from you guys. And take care of yourself, Chicago. Take care, Ryan. That's Ryan Ostrike. He is the general manager of the Music Box Theater. Go to musicboxtheater.com. You can get to virtual cinema. You can pick up your snacks. You can buy some uh, other merch to help support the Music Box Theater. 90 years, you got, we got to keep, we have to keep these kind of things going. All right. But let's talk a little bit about when we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the bigger theaters. You know, like Cinemark, uh, said they're not going to require moviegoers to wear masks does that make you nervous will that keep you from going uh, i want to hear from you as we start to go out are you ready to go to a movie again and if not is it just health or are you getting to the point music box now not uh, included in this conversation but ryan and i touched on it are you staying away from movie theaters just because of the rest of the people who are also in the movie theaters 312-981-7200 Let's talk. It's WGN. All right. Brian Noonan in for Nick. After 2 o'clock, we throw the doors open for the overnight arcade. Oh, my goodness. It's been a while, but I think uh, I think we're ready to go. We've got uh, seven, 1970s, 1990s TV trivia. We have wonderful prizes, so that will be happening after 2 o'clock. All right. It was uh, great talking to Ryan from the Music Box, and I uh, I will confess I have... I don't think I've been to the music box. Either. Oh, it's it's the way he described it as people going there like going they're to going church. to church. Yes. It's very true. Especially I don't know if you've heard about their sing-alongs in the holidays. Yes. Oh yeah, I've ha- I've had Ryan on before the holidays yeah. to talk about that and as we started talking I remember we spoke to him right before the big 90th uh mm. anniversary celebrations were going to start. And that's it's funny he said that because that's how I used to feel about going to the movies. Um you know, when I was when I was a little kid, 
there were still big theaters around, and one was one was right by my house, the Glenwood Theater, and it was a huge old. Uh, independent theater and we would walk up there and my mom would make us popcorn and it was that got instilled the reverence of going to the movies for me and so i always loved it and now i'll be honest within the last 15 years maybe i don't enjoy going to the theater to the to a regular cineplex you know because i i and I know this makes me sound like a grumpy old man, but I don't think I don't think I am. I don't like people talking. I don't want to see your phone out. I don't I don't want to see you unpack an entire Thanksgiving dinner in the in the seat next to me. You know, after after the advent of stadium seating and some sound issues, the theater experience is not great. You know, they're they're a lot of them are dirty. A lot of they're crowded. I'll go for Big event movies, you know, for the, and, and I know as a cinema person, you will look down your nose at me, but I don't care. For, you know, Endgame, and that I went. Your Star Wars, you know. like Yeah, I'll go for those big event movies, but quite frankly, I would much rather watch a, a movie now in my house. That's what makes the music box and theaters like that different, because they're not running the Avengers. They're not running, you know, your latest uh, Adam Sandler movie or whatever. He's on Netflix now, but you know what I'm talking about. Your run-of-the-mill mall theater movies. So to go there, people who are making a trek to one of these independent theaters, they want to see that film. It's it's a journey. It's a, it's a destination for that specific thing. It's not just, well, I guess we could go to a movie. It's no, let's go to the music box. They're showing the 70 millimeter of, you know. Top Gun, man. Top, oh, was that good? Oh, and 70 millimeter? Unreal. <laughs> it's like I had never even seen it before. Wow. That's that's literally what it was like. It was like seeing it for the very first time. The sound, because, you know, they it's it's a magnetic sound strip. Now, that movie was not shot in 70 millimeter. Okay. It was shot in 35 by Tony Scott. And, but they did. They do a special process when it's shot on film. They can blow it up yeah. to seventy millimeter, and what that also does is expand the the dynamic range of the sound. Ooh. So you're starting to hear things that are that were normally compressed in that magnetic strip, yeah. and the 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 sound of the fighter pilots and the sound the sound of the like the waves crashing and all these sorts of stuff. The sound of their sweaty shirt, hands yeah, hitting the volleyball. <laughs> It sounds fantastic. And the picture as well. It's the way I've heard it described is when you're watching something normally at your Cineplex, if a guy there's a guy on the screen he's wearing a brown shirt and blue pants. Right. When you're watching it in seventy millimeter, he's wearing a corduroy shirt and denim pants. Ooh. You see what I mean? I see the what texture. you mean. The detail and the texture. That sounds great. See, so that's I would I would make a trip to go see something like that. But am I ever in a hurry now to go to my local, you know, and I'm not picking on AMC or Cinemar, my local theater like that? I'm not. And I think with the advent, and this is something that's, you know, it's not a hot take, but I'm wondering if you if you feel the same way, or maybe you don't, and you go, you don't care, you're going to the movies, whatever, 312-981-7200. I know uh, when Little Women came out, my wife and daughter couldn't wait. They, they couldn't wait to go to the theater and see Little Women. They loved it. They loved the movie. And uh, they liked, they liked going. The experience of going to the to the theater, but it was the middle of the day, and I think that has a lot to do with it too. Because I used to try to go out in uh, 
in my former life, when I was working at night, I would go and I was on the road. I would go to the movie theaters in the middle of the day for the first or second showing, and it was great because nobody was in there. But now you go to the theater and there's a million people in there because the theaters are smaller. It's like it's the airplane model of seating. Get more theaters in, but make them smaller, and then uh, then we're going to just jam as many people as we can in. Uh, Patrick's on the phone. He worked at the Music Box. Hi, Patrick. Hey, buddy. So yeah, oh, works on the music box. Tom is Tom is flipping out. I Tom, you know I can't read. Ed Asner never came to my house. I don't believe that reading is fundamental. I do the best I can to bluff. So we're, O and I sometimes look the same. I'm an old man with uh, bifocals, so you know, relax. <laughs> so Patrick, you worked on the music box theater doing what? Yeah, I, I did the boiler and uh, air conditioning. Oh, all right, very so, nice. We yanked out an 80-year-old boiler that had probably, I think I want to say, 12 sections that it took four guys, four scrappers, to take out each section of the thing. Whoa. Put in a new, uh, yeah, there, each section was cast iron. Um, the fir- Again, so I don't know if you're familiar with how stuff works in the city. So <laughs> if you have metal scrap or garbage that you want taken out, if you put it in the alley, it's pretty much gone in 10 minutes. Sure. Well, yeah, not with, uh, I think it was 12,000 pounds of cast iron. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was the boiler? Guy. The first two guys I found in the alley, scrappers, wanted me to buy them an oxyacetylene tank so they could t- cut it apart. <laughs> so I literally had some guy had dropped off a number on my my work truck saying, hey, if you ever need scrap removed, call me. So I called this guy. He brought four guys out. They yanked this stuff all out for me, so we did the boiler. So we had to do the air conditioning also. So I had to climb up into the rafters of this. First off, the building is awesome. The theater is awesome. I have to go up back to, like, your guy was talking about the 70-millimeter stuff. Yeah. Dude, the cameras, the projectors in there are huge and old. And it's like... <laughs> I like walking back into time. It, like again, I got to see stuff that nobody will ever see, and it was so cool. They literally have a, a duct, instead of duct work yeah. for like you know a return. It's a bricked tunnel from the the ceiling and upstairs by the the, the projector, and then like a just chamber of cinder blocks. Like probably, I think it was like. Six by ten or six by eight, all the way from the upstairs out of the basement. That was their ductwork. So I had to climb into the rafters and cut open ceiling holes in the ceiling to get us better return for the air conditioning. And this was the best part. So I'm doing it like with really sketchy lighting, and we're talking. uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but they've got like weird bold ceilings, like bubbles. In okay. the ceiling. So I have a sawzall in my hand, and I'm thinking I'm cutting through drywall or something hard. And I put my sawzall on it, and I pull the trigger, and it goes right through like butter. And I oh, almost geez. fell through it because it was so soft. <laughs> it was like some kind of weird particle board, cardboard. You know, again, the building is so old, they made some weird stuff back then. Yeah. So, yeah, so I cut that open, boom, boom, boom. But yeah, that building is really cool. Um, I was probably there for three weeks and got to know the people. Yeah, and everybody that works there is totally into the theater life, you know, movies oh, yeah. and 
And, and it's just like you know, who, the guy that was talking about before about the 70 millimeter, just everything they do there. It just, it was so cool. And, and I hope they come back. Yeah. I, I, you know, I know I saw something about what's, uh, what's that big, uh, movie theater companies. That's, uh, Oh, AMC, whatever. AMC saying they're going to shut down other places. Yeah, because but blah, blah, blah. we were talking about that before. They're what they're going to do is just. Uh, it sounds like they're just going to declare bankruptcy. Some of the theaters that weren't making any money before, they're going to close, and they'll just keep keep the ones that aren't, and they'll you know then they'll come out of bankruptcy and they'll still be there. So again, so you know, it's funny is uh, if you're a protester, you don't get the COVID apparently. Well, I don't know. We'll see in in a couple weeks. We'll see, but you got to go back to Wisconsin. They've been open for two weeks, and some numbers say, yeah, they're spiking, and some numbers say, no, they're not. So I wonder what's going on. You know, uh, I want to get back to normal, not the normal C, normal. The way it was before when we were all laughing at, like, can you believe this crap is starting to snowball into this? Yeah, you know, well, I don't, I don't know, Patrick, if we're ever going to get back to that. Listen, man, I got to get oh, to the news. I love you, brother. But I we appreciate will. the call. Thanks very you. much. Take care. Have a good night, buddy. You too. Bye bye. All right, uh, some people are calling. We can keep talking about movies uh, after the news. So if you're on the line, Benjamin, hang on. We'll talk to you after the news. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We can keep talking about movies. We can talk about the theater experience. We can talk about your pet peeves when you go to the mall to see a movie. It, there, and I'm sure there are a couple. And If maybe you worked in the music box, like Patrick worked on the music box, or you've been a customer of the music box for a long time and you want to share some memories of that too, 312-981-7200. We will get to all of that on the other side of the news. And that comes your way in just, I don't know what this means. (laughs) Are you pouring a soda pop? What What does it mean? It means we're taking our break and we're going to the news on WGN. It's Brian Noonan in for Nick. Nick will be back with you Sunday night into Monday morning. I have been having fun all week hanging out with you. We're here until 4 o'clock, of course. 312-981-7200 if you want to get involved in the conversation. We were talking to the general manager of the Music Box Theater, which then evolved into a conversation about our movie-going habits. If you still like even going to the theater, other than a place like the Music Box or an independent theater that... It's a destination, and it makes it feel special to go see a film there, uh, as opposed to going and sitting at the mall and uh, seeing something in a tiny little theater jammed in next to people who are on their phone and bringing in a full meal. 312-981-7200. Benjamin has been hanging on. He's in Bloomington. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Brian. I just wanted to sing my praises about movie theaters and music, music box theater in specific. I'm a huge fan of the music box, but I also just want to talk about how much I adore movie theaters in general, including drive-ins. Drive-ins are awesome. Drive-ins but, are uh, awesome. What do I know? <laughs> you know? You know what you like, that's all. Yeah, but I'm just yeah, I'm just a kid. I don't really know anything about anything, apparently, but I know that <laughs> I love going to the movies. Wow, who's been, tell- <laughs> who's been telling you that, Benjamin? Oh, just about every adult I know since I've tw- uh, since I've been twelve. But uh, well, listen, I'll uh, I'll take a different tack. Did I think if you if you like something, you know you like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I appreciate. I just want people think that they don't like going to the movies anymore. But I'm telling you, when you get in there and the lights go down, you got that popcorn, and then the mu- music comes up and the screen lights up. It's it's a whole new world. It's the best experience that you can have. It's my favorite thing to do. I've been absolutely distraught without movie theaters since. I haven't been since March, 
and I can't wait for them to open up. I'm going to be the first one in line at the music box when it reopens up, and I hope they get that drive-in going. Yeah, that drive-in sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds fantastic. I would be there in a second if they did that. Have, now, you said you're you're a younger guy. Have you been to a drive-in? Oh, yeah, I've been to the drive-in. In the Chicagoland area, they used to have the Cascade drive-in, yes. but it closed recently. Yeah. I can't remember what town it was in. Yeah, I was um, beside myself when they closed. I used to go there a lot in the summer. It's an incredible good time. I don't know why more people don't do it, especially people my age. I'm 22. I'm always encouraging kids my age to go. Like, I, I don't know what... The problem is it's a fantastic experience, and you can't get anything like that anymore. It's not the same well, when you're sitting it. in a room. You think you think just for the nostalgia factor, it would be something that people, you know, younger people would want to experience if they have it before because, you know, uh, we went occasionally. I didn't go all the time, but it would, they were much more common when I was a kid, and now to, the ones that are coming back, I think uh, it will draw in younger folks just going – what is this all about, going to the drive-in? And at least the sound will be better than it was before. Yeah, I sure hope so. That would be fantastic if I could get some of my friends to go to the drive-in. Well, <laughs> I, you know, it's always fun. You can always... Now, listen, uh, Ryan, I, or Benjamin, I'm not uh, I'm not condoning this, but, you know, we used to sneak uh, people in in the trunk, too. So <laughs> just keep that in mind if, if you happen to go. I would never take money away from the theaters <laughs> and the filmmakers like that, Brian. You are a good but, uh, man, Benjamin. A much better man than I. Thanks for calling, man. I may not. Yeah, okay. Right. Oh, no, you may not <laughs> want. Go night. ahead. Take care. <laughs> yeah, listen. That's That was a thing back in the day. You know, you get five or six people in the car. Uh, one was cheap, and they go, I'm going to get in the trunk. And then the, everybody else would pay, and the one guy, you'd, you'd worry the whole time that he was going to suffocate, and then you'd get in there and he'd pop out of the trunk. Uh, Doc's been hanging on. Hello, Doc. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Hey, first thing, Brian, this has been a great week of shows. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. And I'm sure it's made easier by uh, having the world's greatest producer there at your side. Oh, in another oh, room. <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah. No, no, Tom, hey. is, Tom is a huge help, and it's always a, always a pleasure to be here with him. Did you grow up in Kansas City? No, I grew up here. Oh, when you said Glenwood, is there a Glenwood up there? There's a Glenwood at 187th and Halstead. Oh, okay. Because right there's Homewood. a Glenwood in Kansas City. I thought. No, this is uh, the one out. And then by, the other uh, day, Homewood. you asked me about barbecue in Kansas City. Right. So, well, I'm I, right with that guy. I totally miss the theaters. It's my number one form of entertainment. I get so. You know, overstimulated. I got to go in, sit down, <laughs> not be distracted, have the big screen. Uh, and I visit mostly art houses, and one of them is called the Glenwood. Okay. And uh, see, I see a lot of documentaries, foreign films, the whole bit. But I just have one comment on the AMC, which I try and avoid. But they're going to have to do some serious reconfiguring because they try and cut labor, cut labor. So they right. want to hand you food and an empty cup. And then you've got to go out in the lobby, and they have those massive self-service Coke things where right. you can do 87 combinations. I love And those. you couldn't be doing that now. No, that's true. And you've true. got to go out there and get the butter for your popcorn. So they've got to figure out some other way to get around that before they, they could reopen. Yeah, I think uh, you know every every theater, every public space is going to be going through there. But you make a you make an excellent point, Doc, because now so many things have become self service, and you're also going to have to up the amount of staff you have because every theater is going to have to have somebody in it to enforce the social distancing and make sure make sure that things are you know sanitized and cleaned, and and it also might help 
keep some of the other behaviors in the theaters at bay that we've come to unfortunately expect in some of these places. So it'd be uh, it might be good in some way to you know have to have to increase your staff if you can get people back in there. We'll see. I think the last two movies I saw were uh, uh, the biggest little farm in the world and Echo in the Canyon, both documentaries. Echo in the Canyon was excellent. Yeah, and there's so many blue hairs in there. You're not going to get a lot of people texting, okay. but you are going to hear people opening their purses. And you know, the, the older the people, they're more likely to bring a, you know, a egg salad sandwich <laughs> from home or, or some, something like that. You know, I'll go in there with my diet Pepsi and then buy buy popcorn in the there theater. Listen, I don't know. Man, I miss it. I really miss it. It's been a long three months without seeing a movie. Well, hopefully it'll uh, it'll come back soon. Doc, always appreciate the call. Good to talk to you. All right, have a good morning. Take care. You too. Uh, this I'm. Let's take a quick break because I want to spend some time with our uh, next caller. John has been a film projectionist for fifty years, so we're going to talk to John. Uh, there's there's a lot to talk to John about as a as a projectionist. So, John, hang on. We're going to talk to you in just a second. Right after this on WGN. Brian Noonan in for Nick. We're talking about movies, theaters, the movie theater experience, all of that. And I love talking to you about it. 312-981-7200. John has been hanging on. And John, it says here you have been a film projectionist for 50 years. Yeah, Brian. My buddy Brian sitting here, he's the one that says, call him up. It's okay. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get... I've been showing movies since I was a kid, but... 1968 is when I actually started working in uh, you know the theaters. How did you get into the into the projectionist business? Well, we had this uh, program from high school, diversified occupations, and I knew uh, a guy that worked at the Oak Theater. I went to, right across from Marjorie's Candies, and I knew you know I used to go up there in the booth. I actually got to see it one time. I, I was like a kid in a candy store. And then he moved to the Oak Brook Theater, so I talked to the manager there. He gave me the address for the Union uh, Union Hall, the address. Yeah. And that's what started the whole thing. John, can you do me a favor and turn your radio down a little bit? Oh, turn radio down. Turn radio down. So, okay, yeah, but... Uh, this was something as a, you know growing up you heard that oh man the, the projectionist union that's a that's a tough that's a tough place to get in was it hard for you to get into the union and, and start doing this full time well I got into the back door uh-huh. because of that school program yeah and uh, it just let's put it this way I didn't pick my job they picked me <laughs> I was fascinated by that ever since I was a kid when my uncle used to show movies you know home movies I was fascinated by it. So when you started, how how big were the projectors? How how heavy were the reels of film? What was it What was it like to physically get a movie projected into the theater? Well, for years the reels they had to weigh like uh, I don't know ten pounds or fifteen pounds. Each reel was twenty minutes long. That was a standard for many years. Okay, and. You had to change that life. Like, people say, oh, you guys see all the movies. I said, no, I didn't, because I had to be here 20 minutes. I had to change the next, the next reel. Some pictures were longer. They were uh, five. Most of the features were five five reels long. Okay. You know, an hour and a half, whatever. Yeah. And some were longer. Yeah, like you get a movie like what, Sound of Music or Lawrence of Arabia, and you're, you're looking at almost three hours. Yeah. 
So you would have to, every 20 minutes, you would, you would change the reel. For those of us who've never been in a projection booth, how, would you, how do you know when to get ready, and how do you know when to change the reel? Well, they had, uh, usually you watch for it, but they had, they had reel alarms. So when the film got down to the last two minutes, a, a bell would ring or alarm them, so you knew it was rang out. And how many projectors normally were up were up there? Two. Two, okay. So you're going back and forth between each projector every every reel. Yeah. And there's there's is there something on the film that we don't see as we're sitting in the theater that you see or Oh, I've gotten in trouble for that. <laughs> in what way? There's a thing called a Q mark. And up the upper right hand corner of the screen when you're down to the last Two feet, you see a little dot in the upper corner of the screen. Okay. That's the first one. You start the projector motor, and when the second one comes on, you got to hit the switch to switch them over. <laughs> I told some people about that in the theater. All they cursed me out. She says, you should never told me that. I can't forget not seeing it now. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to be looking next time I go because, I, to be honest, well, I've never noticed it. Well, now with the new video things, you might not see it. All right. That's what I wanted to ask. So what kind of changes have gone on? I, you know, as obviously, I'm sure the projectors have changed. Has the What changes have you seen over the last 50 years? For, well, they still like the music box. They used film. Now they got the, the the digital. I call it digital, digital. The the, the video thing, okay. which is good. Not as good as film, but uh, that's what they use now. And what is that? Is that uh, is that like a, putting in a, a videotape at home or a, a DVD? How is how does it compare to something that we could understand? It come, It's a video projector. They finally got to the point. It took them twenty years to do it. To make it bright enough, you know, to look like a regular thirty-five millimeter film, and you, most people don't know. Some do, but uh, you know, but the uh, the Q marks and stuff—that's you know the old days. It's yeah. been like that for hundreds of years, not hundreds of years, but uh, 60, 70, 80 years. You know, sometimes you'll see a movie on TV and you will see them. Okay. If you don't see it, it's better that you don't, because <laughs> you know that's the end of the reel. <laughs> Did you ever have one? I remember back when I was a kid, every once in a while you'd be in a theater, and all of a sudden you'd hear the and then it looked like things were the film was starting to melt. Did you ever have that happen to you? Uh, no. It burned the film. You know, something happened mechanically that uh, you don't want to see that. See, in the old days, they had nitrate film, which was very flammable. Uh-huh. And you once that thing started burning, in 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 the, in the projection booths, the older time guys were telling me that if that happens, they had safety shutters and stuff. You just pull the thing and get the hell out of the booth. Oh wow! But then they come with safety film, and that brought about uh, you know like home movies and stuff because you couldn't and classrooms, you couldn't have nitrate film in that places. Right, definitely not. Man, oh man! Well, you've seen it all. Do you have and I? Do you watch movies in your spare time, John? After making a living showing movies, have I what? Do you watch movies, or do you? Are you so sick of movies after coming home from work that you just don't watch movies anymore? I never did. Never. You know, like I said, people tell me that 
Oh, you get to see all the movies. Well, you can't when you got to change the reels every 20 minutes and do things in between yeah. to get the next reel ready. And so when you were off, you never had a busman's holiday and would go into the go no, down to the theater I, and watch a movie? There's a few, th- few shows I actually pay to go to another theater to see, but very seldom. All right. Well, John, listen, it was fascinating talking to you. Thanks very much. Yeah, I could talk about this all night, but, uh, you know, Oh, the one thing, the 70 millimeter, it's good, but in the old days, the 70 millimeter was a special show. They had the big curved screens, and uh, they had some theaters downtown like that, you know. Right. Man, well, John, thanks very much. Have a great morning. All right. Take care. Yeah, I did, um I know some people were complaining about the echo. There's nothing we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, just, it just sometimes has to do with the phone line connection. But yeah. John just has had too much of a wealth of experience. Not yeah, to, we not wanted to talk. to talk to him a little. And that's it is a fascinating thing. I finally, it was about two years ago, I was in Wisconsin doing stand-up at a movie theater. Mm. And they do it like three times a year they would do stand-up at this movie theater. And I got to go into the projection booth for the first time. Oh, and yeah. it was fascinating. It's wild. They had the projectors there, and the film was going, you know, I had to duck under part of the film and step over another part of the film. It was crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a, it's a really hard job. There's a reason they had a union, you know. There's, yeah. there's a hard job. Yeah, and I heard that union was uh, that was they that, could, that was could, a good that was a good gig. Very good union, but you had you were a craftsman. Yeah, you were a skilled craftsman. People, because if the if the reel breaks, you have to Ooh. fix it. You are taking literal tape. You're taking right. tape and taping the reels back together. And uh, if for for folks with the 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 Q mark. Also known, they were colloquially known as cigarette burns because okay. they look, they're these big black dots that would show up in the top right corner generally. Um, if you're if you're a film watcher, uh, it gets explained in the movie Fight Club because okay. uh, Brad Pitt's character uh, is a, yeah, he's a film projectionist. Oh, okay. And his whole thing is that he, his chaos is that he would stitch single frames of pornography into kids' <laughs> movies. <laughs> But uh, now, for the for now, the projectionists, um, we don't really have. I mean, I unless you're doing film, you yeah. know. I worked in a movie theater. It's almost like it's just kind of like a playlist. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they send big hard drives. Okay, that you load into these into uh, projectors, yeah. and there's a whole computer system, and you just queue up the entire day's worth of the trailers and the pre pre show really? reel and everything like that. Yeah, it's just all queued up. So you have to be more of an IT guy than a craftsman. Yep. I, there were many times when I would be managing if something did not start playing, maybe because you, you would have to use a, uh, like they send you a code to okay. unlock it. Yeah. Uh, but it expires. It's timed. After a certain amount of time, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Now, sometimes there'd be a glitch because it's talking to a, a server, essentially. It's talking to a, a remote location to get approval for All it right. to play this show. Yeah. If there's a glitch in the system... Ooh. You can't fit. You got to get on the horn, and there are people in there waiting for their movie to start because you don't know it's not going to start until it doesn't until it start. Until it doesn't start, and people go, people get very cranky if the movie doesn't start. They can, but generally they're pretty cool about it. I always just be like, yeah, go go get a free popcorn, get a free drink, yeah. whatever. Well, it's, no big deal. Again, that's the difference between going to a theater like the Music Box and going to your mall theater. 
And they're not even in the mall anymore. Yeah, you, know you keep I mean. saying mall theater. This, well, because I when feel I, like it's kind of uncommon now, even though that was a big that thing. Was, there was, yeah, now the theaters are outside outside of your shopping center. I'll just say the Cineplex. Yeah. Your, your, your local Cineplex. Exactly. Because yeah. now I was, uh, my wife and daughter, I mentioned earlier, they went to see uh, Little Women when it came out at the mall. They went to, they went to the theater at the mall. Uh, we used to go to the Diana Theater at the mall in uh, Homewood. That was where we would go up to the mall to see the theater, or Lincoln Mall, you know. Yeah. Then it was Orland and, you know. This is always a fun experience. Do your shopping, go see a movie. Well, that was, yeah, and, uh, you know, back, they were, it was all connected. Then the movie theater started getting bigger, and with the, the stadium seating, and everybody wanted something new, and they've got the rocker recliners. Um, you know, so there's, uh, some of those amenities are nice. I want to talk to you, and we're, we're going to talk about bad theater behavior. Because Tom has witnessed it firsthand. But Tom isn't the only one who has witnessed it firsthand. I know you have witnessed it as well. So give us a call. Give me a call. And let's talk about bad theater behavior. 312-981-7200. I want to hear your stories because I'm sure uh, they will rival some that we will hear from uh, from our man Tom. So we'll do all that after this. It's WGN. All right, we'll stick with movies talk for a little bit, but more behavior. This is more of a social commentary than about movies, because it's about how people behave when they go out in public, uh, which at times is very disconcerting. I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, You wonder where people were raised at times. Uh, The old saying, what, were you raised in a barn? Some people were raised under the barn, I think. So if you've been to the theater, you've seen some bad behavior. Can you... It will play Can You Top Tom? Tom worked at a movie theater for a while. Uh, he has witnessed some bad behavior. And he, he said, oh, I've witnessed some horrible things. And I said, well, save it because we'll talk about it and see if, uh, see if anybody else can jump in with theirs. 312-981-7200. That's how you get involved in the program. After 2 o'clock, of course, it's the Overnight Arcade. Uh, we will not open the doors to the arcade and let you come in because really, I, I don't trust your behavior. Uh, so what my thing, my thing is... Besides the talking, which I'm sure everybody has dealt with, cleanliness, Tom, seems to be an issue at a lot of uh, cinemas. It have can you, be. Have you found that to be? Have you found that to be the case? What's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to dealing with the public at the movie theater? Mm. Well, my biggest pet peeve is the person who thinks that taking their popcorn and instead of I don't know walking out of the theater, throwing it in the conveniently placed trash receptacle they right are, outside the door yeah they're always, they're always big right there right there can't miss them can't miss them Instead and of, sometimes the ushers have actually rolled extra rolled cans in. in as the credits were rolling and they're so, standing there yeah just waiting for you to do the right thing <laughs> just waiting for you to do the right thing instead of doing that what if and i'm just saying what if all right a hypothetical hypothetical what if you took your crumbly mostly finished but not quite finished popcorn you took the top of the bag rolled it up and placed it neatly on your flipped up seat why would i do that why why indeed maybe you think you're being helpful for the usher (laughs) so that it's not sitting on the ground spilled which you know, is a pain, but sure. it is part of the job description. You sweep up the corn. Not everybody. It, popcorn is an in, incredibly difficult food to eat at times. Especially yeah, popcorn when you get, gets messy. It gets you, a little messy. You'll drop some kernels. I have no animosity towards the average corn eater. You just, okay. it's, it's, it gets a little bit on your shirt, a little bit on the floor. Right. 
big well, deal. Well, you, got- you get carried away when you're eating fistfuls of popcorn in an yeah. action movie, and it's you know you're shoveling it in like it's yeah. Uh, you when you when you're an hour deep into an Arnold Schwarzenegger action picture, you're just you're not even a human anymore. Yeah. You've devolved into some sort of uh, primordial Neanderthal man who is just taking it all in. That's not what I'm worried about. Right. It's the person who thinks that it's a good idea to just just make a neat little bag, neat little fun little bag for you. I'm going to put that right there on top of the seat so that it's easier for you. Now, obviously, it <laughs> is they, easy. Do they give you the heads up as they're walking past you? Hey, I left the garbage up there on the seat for you. Yeah, on it, they give you the look. They don't say it. They look at you. They're like... Like, don't worry. I got I your you back, up. buddy. They give you maybe a little <laughs> wink. A little wink over there. Yeah, don't worry, buddy. I got your back. Meanwhile, you have to ask yourself, if you're going to take the time to make your neat little popcorn bag and put it on, on your seat and just leave it there, why not just take it out with you? Why? It's, why? It's very, very heavy. That popcorn, I guess so. Popcorn's got to raise... Way I don't know what an ounce, couple of ounces. Yeah, I. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm sure when I was young and stupid, I'd left things on the floor under my seat. Uh, then I guess I became an adult with a and and uh, I became an adult. I got married. I had a child that we would go to the movies, and I was like, oh, you know, just bring your stuff out with you. It's it's not that hard. So I get that would be, I get that would be gross, and maybe it's because people one are lazy. And two, they see that somebody's going to come clean up, so they figure they don't have to clean up after themselves. It's almost like the hotel room mentality that you go, well, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to make my bed or hang up my towels in a hotel room because somebody's going to come clean it up. And they see these high school kids in their red vests with their little brooms, and they go, ah, oh, they're they're going to clean it up. I don't have to do that. I don't understand that mentality. I don't understand why you would think that the whole world is your maid, but that seems to be the case. The other, the other thing that I know uh, Tom and I both agree on, and uh, maybe you do too, is the people who bring their own food into the theater. Now, I mentioned when I was a kid, and this is when I was, you know, 8, 9, 10, we would be going to the movies at the corner, and my mom would make popcorn for everybody. Um, there, were, there were a lot of us, and times were tough, and we, you know... So we would bring we would bring popcorn with us, and by the time we'd get there, you know, the brown sandwich bag that it was in, the oil would be dripping out of the bottom, and the popcorn would be cold. And it was always like, "Well, is it even worth it? Is it even worth going, going, bringing our own popcorn?" Because by the time you got to the theater, the popcorn was nasty. So it was the choice had to be made: either eat the nasty homemade popcorn, or you know. Try to try to scrounge together a couple more bucks to get some movie theater popcorn or go without popcorn altogether. And then we'd also, since there was a Ben Franklin between our house and the theater, we would have to stop at Ben Franklin and go into the penny candy aisle, which I know is a concept that if you're if you're under a certain age, and I don't know what that age would be, I'm going to guess that age is 40 maybe, you don't know what penny candy is. But it was, you know, you'd go in Ben Franklin and they would have a, a whole aisle of just loose candy and you could, you know, you pick a, oh, here's a peanut butter. Usually the peanut butter cups were like a nickel. But there were candies for a penny, and you could go in there with, you know, 25 cents. You'd get some candy, and then you had your bag of old homemade popcorn, and you'd wander up to the theater in your orthopedic shoes. It was, a, oh, man, it was quite a day. I was like a Norman Rockwell painting come to life. You don't remember penny candy, do you, Tom? 
Penny candy, no. Penny candy. was a, It was an actual thing. Go to Ben Franklin, you buy some penny candy. So that was, you know, that was, but I would never bring in, I always, I was always shocked when they started serving actual food at the theater. You know, mm. if it's not one of these Bruin, Bruin View, Bruin View places, mm-hmm. you know, who really needs a hot dog at the movies? You'd be shocked. Who, I know. It's, it's, People it's pretty buy great. all that stuff. They, they, they buy the, the nachos. They buy the hot dogs. They got pizzas. Some now, you know, you go to yeah, some theaters and it's pizzas. like, oh my goodness, they got big soft pretzels. They got yeah, we used, to, we used to cook the pizzas. We, used to, we had a hot dog roller. Really? Pretty good hot dogs too, honestly. Yeah? Yeah, because it's like, you know, sometimes you get, we, you'd get what's called, uh, you get the five o'clockers. The guys okay. who are the guys who are working in the area, and they don't want to drive home yet because we the, the theater <laughs> I work, the theater I worked at was over on Sheridan Road, which end of the day okay. gets a little packed. Yeah, gets a little packed. People are go, go, going home, getting home. It's a little nutso out there. Now this was not an adult theater, dude. The no. way you made it sound, no, like, five you o'clock. Know, the guys were getting off work. No. And the five o'clockers <laughs> come in. They don't want to drive home to the, no. you know, to the family. So nah, they pop in for a cinema. Well, they, they, they'll pop in for for just a movie because they're just yeah. like, well, I'm going to kill the next ninety minutes. Wait till traffic <laughs> dies down a little bit. Yeah, and then it's better I'll go than home. sitting in traffic for exactly. ninety minutes. Exactly, it's a good way to kill ninety minutes. So. Uh, they would get off of work, but they were hungry for something a little bit more substantial than popcorn okay. or candy. Mm. And so it was nice to have, especially because we served booze too. Oh, that's right. So we you get a can of beer, you get a hot dog. I like that. And you sit and you watch Taken Five or whatever. You know, <laughs> you turn the brain off. Right. It's just you, you just ch- you just chill out for two hours. If man. you see Grown Ups too, <laughs> I you know. Everybody's allowed to have their taste. That is fine. One of the most popular movies of its of its year. Was it really? I made a ton of money. I've never seen either those movies. One of them. Make a ton of money. Adam Sandler is rolling in it because of oh, those yeah. movies. So far be it for me to say what is or isn't fun for you at the movies. Just come on in and and just be a good guy. Don't roll up the little pill popcorn package. What do you think seat. of people who would bring in their own food? Do you ever have to deal? Oh, with I took that? it. I would take it from them. Ooh. Yeah, people would bra- brazenly too. They'd come in, they'd be like, "Yeah, I've got like a bag of Popeyes." And I'm just like, "Oh uh, yeah, you're not bringing that in." And they're like, "What am I supposed to do with it?" I was like, "Well, you can eat it out on the patio right now." Yeah, or you can uh, leave it here. We've got to leave it at the box office. We'll hold on to it. I promise you, I'm not going to eat. I don't want to eat your. Food. Yeah, I'm not going to eat your, ch- your and chicken. We'll, and we'll just we'll just leave it here. Come back when it's done. He's like, "But it won't be hot." And I'm like, "Well, you should have thought of that before you brought it to a movie theater." Wow. Yeah, it used to you. It's it's common knowledge that you're not supposed to bring outside food into the theater. So you used to be surreptitious. You know, you'd have to you'd have to hide your sandwich. You know, the, I made one I made a mistake one time, and I had uh, overcooked the microwave popcorn that I was bringing in, and I didn't realize it since I can't smell. I didn't realize that it was giving off the odor of burned popcorn, and I got in and I started eating, it, and somebody in the theater went, "Who's got burned popcorn?" And I was like, "Oh." So, so I quickly closed the bag, uh, took it out, threw it out in one of those handy-dandy trash receptacles right outside the door, and then uh, purchased some fresh popcorn right there. Uh, Sheila wants to jump in with some bad movie behavior. Hi, Sheila. Hi. I miss going to the theater, and the one thing I really miss is going to Marcus. That's the one I go to. But the thing I will not miss is people not only leaving their food the nachos, they leave them in the new cup holders. Yes. And there's cheese there, and there's all oh. kinds of stuff. It's disgusting. 
That I will not miss at all. The nachos with that. I don't understand what's the purpose of nachos uh, in the movie theater <laughs> anyway. I either. So, I will so, you, Sheila. I, I, I hate that. So that that yeah. gets on my nerves. <laughs> did you did you grow up or did you have you been in Chicago Heights for your whole life? Uh, most of it. Um, I used to live um, in the south suburbs at Robbins, and okay. I've lived in Dalton, you know, different areas yeah. in the south suburbs, yeah. So, yeah, I remember the um, drive-in theater. I can't remember which one it was, but we went to many drive-ins, so right. I do miss that, too. There was I one, yeah, there was one out on uh, on Cicero, just south of 30. Did you ever go to the Northtown Theater there on Halstead? In hey, that one, I think so yeah we did we went to that my dad took me that one um when he was alive that was years ago yeah, that's, that's that's been gone for a long time but that my dad would take me up there too it was an old quonset hut mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's right yeah. yeah yeah i'm with you though sheila i don't think we need nachos at the theater um i agree as the kids say don't at me but uh i'm not i'm not a fan thanks for the call sheila have a great morning you too take thanks. care bye-bye yeah you don't need nachos at the movies come I've, on I've I've literally had to get on hands and knees with a with a brush and get cheese out of a carpet. If it's if it's that bad, why sell them? Because I, people will buy it. I know, but they people will buy, will buy all kinds of things that they don't need to buy at the theater. What? Hey, man, we gotta make gotta make some money because contrary to popular belief, we do not make money off of ticket sales. No, you make money on the concessions. Everybody the concessions. knows that. You make yeah. money on the concessions. Yeah, they no. scree at the drive-through. <laughs> 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 and we were generous too. Our prices are a, a, a main feature on a Friday night eight fifty. Well, that's cheap, very cheap. That is very cheap. And mm-hmm. uh, I think a large popcorn with a free refill five bucks. That's not bad at all. That's Ooh. way cheap. It was it was the best popcorn in the city. I'm I, not trying to throw anything over at the music box there. We had the best popcorn in the city. There is something about movie theater popcorn when it's done correctly and not popped the night before and left in a plastic bag. And then if you're at the first uh, showing of the movie of the day, you see the uh, the young kids bringing out the bags of old popcorn. You're like, oh, I don't want old popcorn. I want the hot, fresh popcorn. My cousins used to work at a movie theater. And it was one of those things where if we went, we'd buy our ticket, we'd go in. And because they worked the concession stand, they could hook us up with popcorn. But... As Tom will attest, the concession, the money is made on on the popcorn and stuff, but the cups are what's the stuff that can be inventoried. So they would have to give us either like a broken uh, cardboard box or maybe a cup that uh, a box that the cups came in, or they'd say bring a bag, and then they'd just fill up the popcorn because the popcorn, you know, the it, it was fun. The managers all knew that was part of the perk of working at the concession stand that you could give your family free popcorn, but you couldn't give them the cups. You couldn't give them the popcorn container. So it was like, bring your own container, and there we go. Let's take a quick break. We're talking about bad theater behavior. We're talking about theater popcorn. Who knows? We're talking about whatever you want to talk about at 312 981 7200, and we'll continue after this. Rainy night in Georgia. Very nice. Who was doing this? Uh, Eric Essex. Ah, very nice. Setting a mood here on WGN. After 2 o'clock, it's the Overnight Arcade. 312-981-7200 is how you get a hold of me. We're talking movie theaters. Mike's in Downers Grove. Hi, Mike. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, it's where you're bringing up this topic. Of me and my friends were talking about this the other day, actually. Um, old, old theater back on... 
Uh, 26 in Pulaski. Uh, was a kid then, and we used to go there late 70s, early 80s. Um, God, and the thing is, it got named, well, it was named Atlantic. Okay. People in the neighborhood eventually renamed it Ratlantic because <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people would go screaming out of it, especially girls and just anybody in general, just from disgust. They, I can't tell you because people would just come in there with food oh. or just throw their food on the floor or whatever, and there was a uh, myriad of mice and, and rats always in that theater. Eventually, I mean, obviously, it's no longer there. <laughs> right. But, Gee, yeah, it was called it, it, yeah, it was called the Atlantic, and eventually it was renamed the Ratlantic from the, the people in the neighborhood. The Ratlantic yeah. Theater. I've, that sounds horrific. That sounds horrific. Mike, thanks for the call. That's, uh, do you have any rats at your theater, Tom? No. No. As far as you know. No. Well, I mean, it's, it's Chicago. There's, there's rats, rats outside. Yes. <laughs> there's probably rats sitting in the co-host chair. I don't, I know, do, who, yeah. I don't know who's over there. Um, but yeah, I I used to go. I remember going to all these big... Well, this was before, before the advent of cineplexes and multi-screen theaters. You know, when I was in high school, I would drive up to meet friends. There was a big uh, independent film on Irving... Or theater on Irving Park... That I would go to, there was the one. Now there's still one in Oak Park on Lake Street, but I don't know if that is uh, the Oak. I think it's called. I don't know if that's part of a uh, theater chain or not. But it, it didn't used to be. It used to be an independent theater, and they had, um, you know, when I first went there, it, it was a big auditorium, and then it, you know, they cut it up. I think into a couple different theaters. But that was that was one. The one that I grew up going to, as I mentioned, the Glenwood was a giant, giant theater. And then as the as the years went on, they tried to cut it in half and you know do all that to try to make ends meet, but could not do it. Did you look up? Uh, did you look up the yeah, Oak? Trying, trying to find that. There's, I mean, there are many Oak Parks in this great country. There are. I would put I L after Oak Park. That kind of narrows it down a little bit, but that's okay. I saw you typing. That's why I figured you were doing uh, doing yeoman's work over there. Yeah. I can't seem to find it. All right. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the lake. Maybe it's the lake theater. Okay. It's on Lake. It's on Lake Street. That you would know, make more sense. Here, here's a fun piece of yes. uh, movie movie history for the, the theater I used to work at was uh, back in 1989, Batman Fever oh, gripped sure. the country. Right, People right. were excited. The Prince soundtrack had already been pressed <laughs> to vinyl. <laughs> Everybody wanted to see Michael Keaton, Mr. Mom, fight crime. And that was a big deal. Yeah, it was I, a I huge deal. I can tell deal. with your mocking tone what you're I'm thinking just, of it. But no. it, was, it was, for people who had grown up longing for their comic book heroes to come to life, that was a big deal. Well, what's better than watching Michael Keaton get stuck in a rubber suit? I like Michael Keaton. He's a great guy. Yeah. I love his movies, but uh, you know it's 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 not the Batman I would choose. I know, but I would I go for the made, Adam West. I thought really, I love Adam West. Well, as that ca- that can't be Batman was fun. I watched it as a kid, sure. but I thought Michael Keaton did a very nice job as Batman. Well, he's definitely better than uh, George Clooney and Val Kilmer. Yeah, Val Kilmer specifically, Val Kilmer. But and uh, he was a lot better than George Clooney. Sure. Well, he didn't have the bat nipples. Well, who does? <laughs> who does? He also didn't have Batgirl and Robin and everybody no. else. That movie was, yeah, you know. A train wreck. Yeah, throw as but many things in it as possible. Anyway, the owner of the theater I used to work at decided to uh, get involved in the Batman fever in the summer of, nine, I think it was the summer of 1989, right? Uh, so he <laughs> rented a Batman suit, got the, got the Batman suit, and like paraglided. <laughs> 
on uh, in the Batman suit up in- there in Rogers Park, paragliding. <laughs> Like onto the roof of the theater or God, onto the I, street? Or? I think it was just onto the beach, just in the in the oh, Batman suit. Unreal. That's great. Unreal. I didn't get... I remember being very excited when that came out. Sure. And going to see it. Um, I'm, and I would, I'm trying to think now about hype, movies that were hyped so much that you bought into. I remember, you know, when, Star, when the first Star Wars came out, there was huge hype about mm-hmm. that. And so... You know, everybody was caught up in that. And now, does that, it happens, I guess, with some of the superhero movies, there's big hype. Well, so much uh, of it happens. Star Wars movies. Yeah, so much of it happens on the internet. Yeah. Whereas in the past, it was physical. You saw it. Right. People were out there doing it. Yeah. When when The Exorcist came out, you know, there were lines down the block. Right. Um, When Alien came out in 1979, lines down the block because people were just like, they'd wait hours just to go see a movie because you literally can't see it anywhere else. And it's funny, in this day and age, you don't see the, just like you don't see the physical lines as much, you don't see the uproar. The uproar that was everywhere when The Exorcist came out, people picketing, uh, petitions to get things, to get it taken off, just going crazy. And it it became a national phenomenon. When The Godfather came out, the original Godfather, mm-hmm. it became a national phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Everybody was talking about, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without somebody referencing the horse head scene in The Godfather. <laughs> Ka- <was>. Cartoon. <laughs> oh, cartoon. Uh, but now you don't you don't get that thing. It, and, and when you do, it's always surrounding either like a Star Wars movie or a superhero movie, and then people can just discount... Those rabid fans as being geeks or something, and you, oh well, it's just. A, but that's how that's how it used to be with a lot of big movies. And man, I never realized I was going to be doing like all this nostalgia for this last hour. But it's it's fun to think about for us to think about like the theaters we used to go to and the places because for a lot of us, the movie theater was that sanctuary, and it was it was a treat too. It wasn't something for us at least. It wasn't something we got to do all the time. You know, it, when they on the weekends when they do the kids matinee, that was that was a regular thing. But on the ho- at the holidays, if there was a Disney movie out, my parents would take us to that. You know, we'd go over to the uh, I think it was called the Evergreen Theater in Park Forest. Then it was the Park Forest Theater, but we would go there and see the did they they played all the Disney movies. So that was a big night, man. If we all if we all got to load up in the car and go see a Disney movie, that was fantastic. And then. You know, how many of us, our first dates revolved around going to the movies? And that nervousness as you're sitting there because you don't know, oh, at least for the guys or for me, maybe not uh, for you. Do you do you put your arm around somebody? Do you try to hold? Hey, it was so the movie theater was for I th- uh, most of us a central part of our youth and our first loves and all of that so it's nice to uh it's nice to think about it i don't and i'm sure i'm sure that's still the way i'm sure kids in high school are still you know that's a first date right they go to the movies because you don't have to talk that's the beauty of it if you're going on a first date and you're nervous anyway you go to a movie you don't have to talk for an hour and a half or two hours and then you come out and you got something to talk about Did you like the movie yeah i did okay see it's built in was your was one of your first dates a movie when you were a kid yeah, it was a frequent. It was a frequent place. Yeah, that's that's the place to go. I mean, it's easy. Your parents 
could just drive because they know, can drop you off you know, when you're 14 you're going on dates and stuff like that. really what 14 you're in high school i was 21 i was going started going on a date are you serious yeah well, I had to, I, you know, I had, to, never I had to order. I had to order from the catalog. She had to get shipped over. Uh, it took a while. It took a while to get there. Yes, I went on dates in high school. Yeah, but, but I was, it was, uh, it was safe. Uh, you know, people... yeah, the movies were safe, and the girl thought it was safe too. You know, it was like, hey, you want to go to a movie? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it casual. It right. was casual. It didn't have to be a big deal. And then you know, you had something to do, and that's what it was. You know, I I only have the big theater remembrances of those. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, we used to, I used to go to it would I can't remember what company it was. I think it might have switched to AMC by the time I was in high school. But the AMC in Lake in the Hills, or the uh, Regal Showplace on Route 14 in Crystal Lake. Nice. Those were those are some favorite haunts of mine. And I I started going to movies alone very early. Isn't that the greatest thing in the world? I don't are none. It going to the movies alone rules. There I is love it. It sounds so selfish, and it is so perfect. I, I went and saw a beautiful presentation of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo over at the Music Box. My girlfriend was like, "I'm not. I don't want to see that." I was like, "It's it's a cinema classic." She doesn't care about that. She's yeah. She didn't care. She didn't. She care. was just like, "Whatever." I was like, "Well, then I'm walking my butt over to the Music Box. I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna watch Vertigo on film." Good for you. Film. And Way to I, stand up for yourself. Yeah, I got. I got, I bought from that a big old bag of Haribo gummies. Wow. And, a, and two bottles of water. You are a man. You are, I was, you are alpha. Yeah. All right, listen, here's the deal. We are going to uh, play the Overnight Arcade on the other side of the news. Tom, I always let the, the producer pick what callers he wants to get for the uh, for the contestants. What callers would you like to use for the game? Caller 2 and caller 5. But you have to wait till the news starts. Caller 2 and caller 5 at 312-981-7200. You will participate in the Overnight Arcade. We've got... TV trivia from the 70s to the 90s. Oh, yes, it's going to be very exciting. So you get to uh, call in, but don't call in now because Tom's not going to answer the phone. He's not going to. No, you don't get to cheat and jump in early. You have to wait like everybody else. And once the news starts, you call 312-981-7200. If you are caller 2 or caller 5 or caller 2 and caller 5, you will get to uh, you will get to play the game. Do we have prizes? Of course we do. I would not reopen the overnight arcade if we didn't have prizes. So we'll do that. And then I know some people have been asking, are we doing any of uh, Nick's regular features in the 3 o'clock hour? Yes, we're going to do Straight Out of Context and You Big Dummy. So after 3 o'clock, we will be doing all of that. All right. So... Get ready to play the game, 312-981-7200. If you don't know the number by now, I'm sorry, I can't really help you, but I will uh, I will repeat it ad nauseum. When you hear the news, make the call. All right, Brian Noonan in for Nick D. Nick will be back Sunday night into Monday morning. I have been having a fun time with you this week, and uh, hopefully that fun time will continue because, I don't know, you've never had the pleasure of doing the arcade with me, have you, Tom? No, I definitely have. Have you? Definitely? Oh, well, then you'll recognize yeah. this. Shall we play a game? It's a new game? Only this time the game is real. Can you handle it? Everybody play the game. Play. Time to play the game. <laughs> yes, sirree. 
That is the theme song for America's favorite overnight radio game show. It is the Overnight Arcade. I am your uh, delightful host, Brian Noonan. With me tonight, keeping score in the booth, Tom Hush. If you didn't get through to play along with us on the air, then go around to wake up somebody in your house, go outside, scream till the police show up, and play with them because during the overnight arcade, at-home wagering not only expected but encouraged. Let's meet our players, shall we, Tom? Sure. First, we say hello to Linda. Hello, Linda. Hello there. And what do you do, Linda? Nothing. Nothing. Linda does nothing. When do you know? How do you know when you're done, Linda? Boom, boom. Good morning. I just assume that it's done. If there's nothing done, then it's done. <laughs> Linda, I love your no nonsense attitude. You are going to be a benefit to this game. Let's see who you're playing. I hope so. I hope so as well. You're playing against Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Hi there, Brian. Hi, and what do you do, Barbara? I'm retired. Everybody's retired. That's perfect. What did you used to do, Barbara? I was an administrative office manager. Oh, that sounds very important. For a sales organization, yeah. Did you have a lot of time to watch TV? Some. Some. Well, it, hopefully that will serve you well, because Linda and Barbara, the game today is 70s to 90s, 70s to 90s TV trivia. Here's how the game will work. I'll ask you a question. If you get it right, hey, you get a point. If not, your opponent gets a chance to steal. First one to five correct answers, or whoever is leading when time runs out will be our winner. Linda and Barber, do you understand the rules? Are you ready to play the game? Ready. All right, here we go. Let's flip it up and see who goes first. And it is Linda. Linda gets the first question. Here we go. Linda, on All in the Family... What did Archie Bunker call his son-in-law? Meathead. Meathead. That is correct, and Linda is on the board. That's how the game is played. Very exciting start to the overnight arcade. Okay, now we come to Barbara. Barbara, who was the leader of the good Transformers? Was it Megatron, Optimus Prime, Ultra Magnus, or Doug? Megatron... Optimus Prime, Ultra Magnus, or Doug? Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus, you say? That is incorrect. That means, Linda, you get a chance to steal. I'll repeat the question because I'm a benevolent talk show host. Who was the leader of the good Transformers? Was it Megatron, Optimus Prime, Ultra Magnus, or Doug? I'm going to say Megatron. You're going to say Megatron. I'm going to say... That is incorrect. Ladies, it was Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime was the leader of the good Transformers. Tom, what's what's the score at the end of the first round? The score at the end of the first round. Linda, one. Barbara, none. I love the character you're doing. That is fantastic, and I mean that sincerely. All right, let's continue on. We stay with Linda. Linda, here we go. Oh, man, this was one of my favorite shows in a sideburn uh, palette that I copied for years. On Beverly Hills 90210, where did the Walshes live before moving to Beverly Hills? Was it Ohio, Nebraska, Minnesota, or Indiana? I'm going to say Indiana. You're going to say Indiana. That's incorrect. So that means Barbara gets... Watch <laughs> well, it was a huge show, I, but not for, you know, people of a certain age. Younger, uh, younger people watched it when it came out, but that's okay. Barbara, you get a chance to steal. On Beverly Hills 90210, 
Where did the Walshes live before moving to Beverly Hills? Ohio, Nebraska, Minnesota, or Indiana? Ohio. Ohio. Oh! No, they lived in Minnesota. Minnesota. We're not doing good, are we, Barb? That's all right. It takes, sometimes all. it takes a while to warm up. Uh, warm up. That's okay. Barbara, we're going to stay with you. Here we go. On what TV show did Dano get to book the bad guy? On what TV? Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O. Yeah, it was loud, Tom. It's got to be loud because Barbara got it right to end round number two. What's the score? The score: Linda one, Barbara one. All right, so it's tied at one. This is very exciting. We go back to Linda. Linda, what was the name of the headmistress on the Facts of Life? Was it Mrs. Johnson, Mrs. Robinson, Mrs. Butterworth, or Mrs. Garrett? Garrett. Mrs. Garrett. Yes, that is correct. Very good. You are back on the board, and here we go, Barbara. Barbara, on Friends. Do you ever watch Friends, Barbara? Oh, yes. Still do. Oh, oh, well, then this is right up your alley. On Friends, Ross had a monkey with this name. Was it Chim Chim, Kong, Mr. Happy Pants, or Marcel? Marcel. Marcel. Yes, it was Marcel. Oh, boy, we got a barn burner now, Tom, after three rounds. What's the score? The score. Linda, two. Barbara, two. (laughs) I love this guy. I don't know who this is as a scorekeeper, but I love him. Uh, Linda, we're back to you. Oh, this is going to be a uh, tough one. I will accept just last names on this. Name the four sweat hogs on Welcome Back, Cotter. I'm out. Oh, Linda, just giving right up. I award you I no points. I don't even know. I never watched it, so I don't and know. And may God have mercy on your soul. All right, that means, Barbara, you get a chance to steal. Can you name the four sweat hogs on Welcome Back, Cotter? I can remember what they look like, but I can't name them. Oh. Well, that's unfortunate, ladies. It's, of course, Vinnie Barbarino, Freddie Boom Boom Washington, Arnold Horshack and Juan Epstein. So nobody gets a point on that one, but we go to Barbara. Barbara, what is the name of the Dukes of Hazard's car? The name of the... I was hoping these would be multiple choice. Oh, darn it. Some are, some are not. This one, unfortunately, no, I, is I, not. I don't know. All right, so you do not know this one. <laughs> That means, Linda, you get a chance to steal. Do you know the name of the Dukes of Hazard's car? I can see it, but I can't think of the name of it. Oh, that is unfortunate. Wrong! It is, of course, the General Lee. Uh, there I you will, go. I'm not going yeah, <laughs> to... Yes, I, I, I got it right, but I have it in front of me, in all fairness. Uh, so we are still tied at two. I'm not going to bother the scorekeeper. That round was kind of a wash. Okay. All right. Are, are you doing okay in there, scorekeeper? Maybe. All right, we'll see. We come back to Linda. Linda, Frasier was a spinoff from what popular 80s show? Was it Family Ties, Cheers, The Facts of Life, or Coach? Cheers. Cheers. That is correct. Linda is back on the board, and we go to Barbara. Barbara, here we go. Oh, boy. It's another, it's another car question, Barbara. Are you ready? 
I'm ready. What type of car did Starsky and Hutch drive? Did they tool around in a Ford Torino, a Ford Mustang, a tricked-out Chevy van, or a matching pair of Vespas? What was the first one? A Ford Torino. I think it was a Ford Torino. A Ford Torino. Yes! 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 It was, in fact, the red Ford Torino with the big white swoop scorekeeper. Meg Ryan was excited about that answer. What's what's doing in the booth? The score. Linda, three. Barbara, three. (laughs) Linda, three. Barbara, three. Uh Uh-oh. That was the horn if we didn't hear it. Yes, all right. That means time is up. So this is going to be a toss-up question. A toss-up question for the win. If you think you know the answer, ladies, yell out your name. When we hear your name, you will get a chance to answer. If you don't answer correctly, your opponent will get a chance to steal. This is for the win. Are you ready, ladies? Yep. Yep. All right. Linda and Barbara, remember, yell out your name. Who shot J.R. Ewing on Dallas? Barbara. Barbara. Go ahead, Barbara. Who is it? Christian. Chris, say that again. Kristen. Kristen is... Good job. Keep up the good work. Kristen is correct. Sue Ellen's sister, Kristen, shot J.R. Ewing. That means, scorekeeper, let's make it official. How did this one end? The score. <laughs> Linda, three. Barbara, four. Barbara wins. Barbara does win. Congratulations, Barbara. How excited are you right now? Oh, I'm really excited. This is this is unbelievable. Uh, let me tell you what you've won, and this is this is the most timely prize I believe I have ever given out on the overnight arcade. Barbara, you have won a pack of twenty masks from EW Masks, the same day curbside uh, pickup available at thirteen seventeen West North Avenue in Chicago. Order yours today at EWMasks.com. You get a pack of twenty masks to keep you healthy and safe. What do you think of that, Barbara? That's lovely. That is lovely. There you go. Congratulations. Uh, Hang on. Tom is going to get all your information and uh, give you your prize. Now, Linda, you would think that you have to go away empty-handed, but that's not how I play the game here. Everybody's a winner here on the Overnight Arcade. So, Linda, we're going to give you a $25 gift certificate to Mykonos Greek Restaurant, family-owned and operated for 40 years in Niles. Enjoy the best Greek food in the north suburbs for carryout or delivery or outdoor patio dining. Order at GreekRestaurantsChicago.com or call 8... I can't use it, honey. You can't use it? No, I live in Bloomington. Mm. Oh, can you use a uh, gift certificate for Green Tea Home Services? No, I live in an apartment. All right, then I guess I'm going to have to send you away empty-handed because that's all I've got. I guess so. I'm sorry, Linda, but thank you for playing the game. Thank you, and hey, it was nice listening to you all week. Thank you, I appreciate that very much. Have a great morning, Linda. You too. Take bye-bye. care. Bye bye. Well, that's it. We tried to give some prize away. We gave uh, we gave Barbara a prize, and that was good. All right, listen. We're going to take a quick break, and because I'm feeling uh, in a fun mood, we are going to play another round of the overnight arcade. Now, I'm going to make this executive decision for Tom because he is busy uh, talking to Barbara. If you are caller three and caller four at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, caller three and caller four, you'll play. Another round of the Overnight Arcade right here on 720 WGN. Game on! Game on! Time to play the game! 
All right, it's time for round two of the Overnight Arcade here on WGN. Let's meet our players. Carrie is first up. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going very well. What do you do, Carrie? Um, I'm, I'm a scientist, uh, but I'm in sales now. I sell x ray equipment. Sell so x ray equipment. That sounds very illuminating. Ha <laughs> ha! See what I did there? Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's very. No, I know, Tom. These are the bad jokes. These are the bad game show host jokes, like Pat Sajak would tell. Carrie, uh, do you watch a lot of television? Have you watched television in the past? Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, let's see if you know more than Roosevelt. Roosevelt is our next player. Hi, Roosevelt. Brian, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Nice to see you, hear your voice, and nice to hear from you, man. Well, great. Good, good to be back. Glad to have you on the game. Remind us, Roosevelt, what do you do? Uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Six kids. Six kids, stay-at-home dad. I can't believe you're still awake. <laughs> I, I think. Believe- I, I- <laughs> Sleeping comes with the uh, with the job, I guess. Not sleep. I mean, yeah, not, not sleep. It comes with the job. All right, gentlemen. Yeah. Here's how the game is going to be played. We're playing 70s to 90s TV trivia. I'm going to ask you a question. If you get it right, you get a point. If not, your opponent gets a chance to steal. First one to five correct answers, or whoever is leading when time runs out will be our winner. Kerry Roosevelt, do you understand the rules? Are you ready to play the game? Let it go. Here we go. Let's flip it and see who goes first. Roosevelt gets a first question. Here we go, Roosevelt. On Happy Days, what was Fonzie riding when he jumped over a shark? A motorcycle, water skis, a surfboard, or an air of desperation? Uh, Surfboard? Surfboard. Roosevelt, that is incorrect. That means Carrie gets a chance to steal. Carrie, I'll repeat the question. Why wouldn't I? On happy days, what was Fonzie riding when he jumped over a shark? A motorcycle, water skis, a surfboard, or an air of desperation? Water skis. Water skis. That is correct. It is correct. That is correct. All right, we stay with Carrie. He successfully stole that one. But don't panic, Roosevelt. The game, it's early in the game. Early, early. All right. All right, right. Carrie, here we go. On The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Who shot Mr. Burns? Maggie. Maggie. That is correct. That is correct. Carrie, off to a good start. That's the end of round number one. Let's go to our scorekeeper for the official score. The score. Carrie, two. Roosevelt, none. Wow, you made it sound so so harsh, scorekeeper. <laughs> Roosevelt has done it. It was like soul-crushing when you announced it that way. <laughs> it's not my fault. This Pressure. is just the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> Roosevelt, we gotta get you on the board because I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that again. That that nun was just it was horrifying. Uh, depressing, huh? It was a little depressing. <laughs> well, let's see if this helps. Let's see if this gets you back on. What TV character was known for his greeting, Nanu Nanu? Uh, that was Mork from Mork. Mork from Ork. Yes, that means we don't have to hear the scorekeeper say none again. Good job, there Roosevelt. You are on the board. Okay, we come back to Carrie. Carrie, how long a jail sentence were Jerry and the gang given in the series finale of Seinfeld? Was it one year, three years, seven years, or life? Oh, jeez. Uh, I think it was, it was one or three. Um, I think it was one. One year. Is that your final answer? I'll co-opt uh, who wants to be a millionaire for a minute. Sure, final, final answer. An- final answer.
that was a good final answer because it was correct. And now we are at the end of another round. And uh, as as worried as I am to say this, scorekeeper, what's the score? The score. <laughs> Carry three. Roosevelt one. One that had a nice, a better lilt to it. I like that a little mm-hmm. bit better. That was good. All right, here we go, Roosevelt. On Mash, what was? Oh boy. Uh oh. Another watch match. Okay, go ahead. Well, then this is going to be a fun question for you. On Mash, what was Radar O'Reilly's real first name? Oh God. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to have to. Uh, don't take this personally. That does not make sense. No, that is incorrect. The no answer is incorrect. Carrie, your chance to steal for a big lead on MASH. What was Radar O'Reilly's real first name? Oh, I can hear Colonel Potter saying it. Um, few seconds. Uh, Walt. I can't remember. Uh, Not. It was Walter. Walter, Walter Eugene O'Reilly was Radar's real name. So that was a wash, but we stay with Kerry because that was Roosevelt's question. We stay with uh, Kerry. Here we go on Laverne and Shirley. Did you watch Laverne and Shirley, Kerry? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. What was the name of Shirley's stuffed cat? Was it Mr. Whiskers, Boo Boo Kitty, Miss Snuggles, or Josephine Kitty Dream? Boo Boo Kitty. Boo Boo Kitty. Yes! Yes, that is correct, and that ends another round. I, uh, I, I paid him, so I'm going to ask him to keep going. Scorekeeper, what do we got? The score! Carry four. Roosevelt, one. Wow, the one is even starting to take on an ominous tone, Roosevelt. Let's see if we, can, get a- you, let's see if we can get you to two. You ready? You got a four-point question? <laughs> <laughs> I wish... <laughs> That would be nice. I should have some big bonus, some big bonus question. To, to, no, unfortunately, I don't. But you could hope that Carrie maybe maybe Carrie will fall down and hit his head. I don't. I don't wish that on Carrie. I feel my that's, that's a possibility. No, I don't. Listen, I don't want anybody to get hurt no, during no, the game. No, nobody's going to get hurt in this game, Brian. Well, just just your pride, Roosevelt. But that's okay because you're going to get. The, I know you're going to get this one correct. All right. Howard Hessman was a wild DJ on WKRP in Cincinnati. What was that DJ's name? Oh, God. Uh, oh, he was the hip guy, the hip yep. guy. Oh, God. Oh. Howard Hessman was a wild DJ on WKRP in Cincinnati. What was that DJ's name? Oh. Mm. Five no, seconds. I no, I, no, I don't know. It does not compute. Ooh. All right, Kerry. I'm coming to you for the steal. You have four. If you get this right, that will give you five. And that means you will win the game. So, Kerry, for the win, Howard Hessman was a wild DJ on WKRP in Cincinnati. What was that DJ's name? Dr. Johnny Fever. Dr. Johnny Fever. Let's check the board. Nice. Nice. That is correct. Dr. Johnny Fever, I have to go to the booth to make the score official. Scorekeeper? Yes. What's the score? The score. <laughs> Carry five. Roosevelt, one. K. 
Carrie wins. Carrie wins. Congratulations, Carrie. You are the big winner of the second round of the Overnight Arcade. How do you feel, Carrie? Do you feel like a million bucks? I feel like a a million bucks, Brian. A million bucks. That's what we like to hear. All the the enthusiasm in your voice tells the whole story. Uh, Let me tell you what you've won, Carrie, besides my admiration. $75 gift certificate from Green Tea Home Services. Uh, While you're spending so much time at home, take advantage of Green Tea Carpet Cleaning Service, Air Duct Purification, or Garage Door Maintenance. Call 800-5-GREEN-TEA or go to greenteaservices.com. That's a $75 gift certificate for you, Carrie. Excellent. Sounds uh, great. You're uh, you're very welcome. I'm glad you played. Congratulations. Hang on. Tom will get all your information. Uh, Roosevelt, I don't want you to go away empty-handed, so I'm going to send you a $25 gift certificate to Mykonos Greek Restaurant. Family-owned and operated uh, for 40 years in Niles. Enjoy the best Greek food in the north suburbs for carryout or delivery or outdoor patio dining. Take the kids. Go, or you can order at GreekRestaurantsChicago.com or call 847-296-6777. That's a $25 gift certificate for you, Roosevelt. Thanks for playing the game. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Tom. You're very Love welcome. Game. Hang on, and Tom will get all your information. There you go. Boy, oh boy, that's uh, that's uh, the overnight arcade. It's fun. We haven't, I haven't had a chance to do one in a while. It is always good to uh, to get you guys on the horn and uh, you know get some competitive juices flowing at this time of the morning. Am I right? On the other side of the news, we're going to talk a little bit about graduations. I want to hear from you because as I walk around the neighborhoods. I'm seeing all these wonderful signs in people's yards about uh, their kids graduating from eighth grade or graduating from high school or, you know, now there's kindergarten graduations. We'll get into that, too, because uh, I'm wondering how you feel about these ancillary graduations, you know, the middle school graduation, the uh, all of those. But I have a unique story about how one high school celebrated their graduations, and I want to hear your stories. I know different schools throughout the area have been doing their graduations a different way. So how did you make your graduate's day special in this weird, weird time? Because they, they are big days. How did you celebrate them? 312-981-7200. We'll talk a little graduation on the other side. It's WGN. <laughs> There have been a lot of songs this week that I've been tempted to just take a walk and listen to the entire song, even though I know we're not supposed to. Uh, this is one of them. I got. I was lucky enough to see them last summer when they came. It was one of those shows that I had always... One of the bands that I had always said, oh, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. And like a number of them, I had not. And I thought, this is going to be the last chance. And I sprung for the tickets. And it was everything I hoped it would be. They, the Stones still, it's amazing that they put on the show they put on. The Strolling Bones. Yes, and they are uh, ancient, and I think Mick Jagger weighs about 18 pounds. And he had just, this was this was the show right before, or right after, right after the his heart thing. Mm-hmm. So it was the first show back. Right. And people, everybody there was like, oh, they were, you know, they were all excited that he was back. They were all excited the show was going on, but there was a lot of talk of, we're glad we made it to this one because we don't, this might be it. And it was not, thank goodness. But uh, man, that was a good show. That's why I'm so bummed about a lot of, I had a whole roadmap of concerts for this summer. Yeah. A whole thing ready to go. Me and my, me and my buddy, Bobby, who's, he's my concert buddy. We go see everyone together. And uh, one of them was, uh, Dead and Company over at Wrigley Field. Oh, okay. And 
Bob Weir, you know, the one, the yeah. ostensible leader of the Grateful Dead at this point. Right. You know, how many years is he like? Now, he takes very good care of himself. Sure. He takes very good care of himself. But it's always the question in the back of your mind, how many years does he have left? It's a fair question when artists get to a certain age. It's a fair question when anybody gets to a certain age. But not only that they might, you know, God forbid something might happen health-wise, but that they might just go, you know what? I'm 73 years old. I'm tired. I don't want I don't want to go back on the road anymore. You know, uh, that's that's just the way it goes. And I've... I've been in the position where I've said I will go see an act, whether it's a band or, or an entertainer, and I keep putting it off thinking I'll see them next time, and in a couple of instances that next time didn't come because they died, and it was like, oh, man, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that again. I was talking to a lot of people I think are in the same boat you are, Tom, and you know we can open the phones for that too. What you're going – what – were you really looking forward to seeing this summer that now you're not going to be able to see? We hadn't planned on talking about this, but it's funny that you, uh, you know, this just came up because today it was announced, and I know a lot of us from the from the area go to Milwaukee over the summer for Summerfest. Summerfest is a wonderful thing, and they had already postponed it to se- till September, and today, or I guess it was yesterday, Thursday, it was canceled. So they canceled it for the year. So Summerfest was gone. Uh, a lot of, you know, we're still waiting to hear. What do you think, if uh, if you were going to give odds on Lollapalooza? Because the mayor still has not said uh, whether Lollapalooza is going to be canceled or not for sure. That's in August, late, yeah. August. Usually the first weekend of August. So what would you, uh, what do you give the chances of Lollapalooza happening? Is Snowball's chance in hell that's not taken yet because you're the first you're the first pick so you could uh, ostensibly take that as your pick snowball's chance in hell that's what i'm saying because you go snowball's chance in hell i'm going to go slim and none but slim is on vacation <laughs> I'm gonna take slim pickings slim pickings yeah there's a, how could you do lollapalooza you can't with social distance you literally can't no everybody you go every nobody's gonna wear a mask have, have you ever been to lollapalooza i have not Here's my thing with Lollapalooza. Every year I think I look at the lineup and I see a couple bands that I think I should go see. And then I get all worked up. I'm going to go to see Lollapalooza. I'm going to go to Lala this year. And then I realize I have no desire to go to Lollapalooza. Just I don't like crowds in general. Um it's not it's it's not my thing, you know? I would I would go to I'll mm-hmm. go to a concert. I'll go to an outdoor concert with like one band or something, but sure. I don't I'm not that big a music fan to commit to a day or a weekend for most bands that I've never heard of, even though I'm sure there's a lot of music there that I would really enjoy. Yeah. I'm not saying that, that the music is bad. I'm saying I don't know it, and it's not it's not my thing. Well, and at that price point, too. Right. Even, yeah. even a day. Even a day is setting you back a bit. Now, you're getting bang for your buck. Oh, sure. Of course, there's a million bands, but... I'd go uh, for the lobster corn dog. That's what I. The food is the food that they have there is right. remarkably good. And if I could wrangle one of the, I see some people posting on the gram. They somehow get into these VIP tents that are air conditioned and they have lounges and all that. If I could, you know, if I could do that, I'd go. I'd, I'd go bougie palooza. That's what I want to do. I want to go with the top tier uh, VIP amenities. Yeah, I don't want to mingle with uh, you know, all the drunk kids who came in on the train from the suburbs with right. flowers in their hair and Birkenstocks. <laughs> now, funny you mentioned that <laughs> because because I did go to Lollapalooza and that was my high school graduation gift. Oh wow! Okay, uh, when I gra- I graduated from high school in 2012, 
And it was a particularly good year. Particularly good year. <laughs> oh, Black, for Lollapalooza for Lollapalooza. or 2012? Well, the world did not end as advertised, so that was cool. But I saw Jack White from the White Stripes. Oh, all right. I saw Black Sabbath. Nice. I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, the Black Keys. See now, already you've listed four bands that I know. So that all so right, I'm going to take that as a good year. Yeah, it was a it was a particularly good year, and a lot of bands I did not know that mm-hmm. I just went. But I will say, there's a certain level of stress of having to run around from stage to stage. Everybody yeah. wants to see this band, that band, blah blah blah. And the same thing happened to me last September when I went to Riot Fest. Okay, which um, is a little bit more edgy, yes. I guess. That's the um, one in Washington Park. Uh, Douglas. Now. Douglas Park. Yeah. Right, right. And that was where I saw Wu-Tang Clan, Slayer, you know, bands like that. Right on. Things are a little bit more uh, intense. But it kind of stinks because you're trying to hang out with your friends, but they everybody has their must-sees. Right. And you're trying to mitigate that. And then you're also paying for drinks. And you're also, you know, going just it's, – it's a, it's a great experience. I did the whole weekend. It was awesome. I went every day. Okay. Uh, but – and I was planning on doing it again this year. Um, but it is a lot. It is a little bit of a young person's game, although far be it for me to say that there weren't some, oh, there's you know, people, there of, every people age, of every yeah. age, there were kids there. There were, you know, people probably in their sixties there. Yeah. Cause it, it, cause if you're really into it, there is no better feeling than being at a, a show, a concert like that. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. If, if it's, if it's your thing, if going to live music events and not be, not minding being in big crowds is your thing, then those are great. But, that's that's the thing. Those can't happen now. I mean, I've seen I've seen the footage. I've been to outdoor concerts when I was younger. A general admission outdoor concerts mm-hmm. that is you know like a music festival. People aren't going to stay six feet apart. What are they going to give everybody who walks in a giant inflatable you know, inner tube to wear around themselves so everybody's yeah. walking around like bumper cars? Yellow tape, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, Lollapalooza does about a billion dollars of damage to the park. Their oh yellow God. tape is it's not terrible. going to work. Well, that's because I think I last mean, there's year, nothing you can do about last it. Last year was the first year that there was not a major weather event during Lollapalooza. Every year, it's like, oh, what, when's Lollapalooza? It's this date. Oh, well, that's Tornado Day then. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> did, I hope, you know, uh, I forgot. I planned God is up there, and he's just like, yeah, I was going to do this, like, world-ending storm i could probably downgrade it i can downgrade it but it's still gonna get wet well we're just we won't end the world we'll just take out everything in chicago yeah we're gonna annihilate grant park we're gonna for five days capsize some boats tear up some trees are you are you a ravinia guy i've never had the opportunity i've always wanted to go and i was really bummed when they announced that they had to cancel their season because so many people love ravinia i've had this uh conversation before i've never been to ravinia and Listen, I'm not I'm not bad mouthing Ravinia. I felt bad for I know people who love it and were very disappointed. I have no desire to go to Ravinia, and here's why. And I've said this before. Uh, and feel free to you you can disagree with me all you want. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. I don't. I'm like the guy at the I'm like the guy at the card table in that meme. I don't like Ravinia. Change my mind. <laughs> and and I know it's weird to say I don't like it, having never been been there. But here's the Here's what I don't get. You go to Ravinia, you sit on the grass, you have a picnic, you listen to music from people that you can't see. Unless you buy the really expensive tickets to sit in the pavilion. But most people are there for a big outdoor adventure. And I like going to, you know, I go to the world and sit on the grass. I go to other places and sit on the grass to watch the show. But the difference is I can look and I see the band. 
And there's the mm-hmm. band. Oh, they're playing right there. Sure. And and maybe that's it. And maybe I, you know, I've uh, I don't. It's a it's a hall to get there, and it would. It sounds like it's difficult to get in and out of. I just. It's one of those places that. I know people love it, but I I just don't have a desire. Mm-hmm. I would go when they do. I know they frequently do uh, full performances of like film scores. Yes, I've because seen. I've I, seen all I those. feel that that because I, I get what you're saying. Because I like to see the act. I want to yeah. see. I want to see. You know, if I were going to Guns and Roses at Wrigley Field, which unfortunately got canceled, which I is know. a real bummer. Because I think. I think this is the first time Slash has been like they've got a good amount of the original. Right, lineup. they were ready to go. Cody was supposed to go to that. Yeah, He's that was upset. that's a real bummer. And I'm not even the biggest Guns N' Roses fan. I just want to see that. If I'm if I'm going to see Guns N' Roses, I want to see Slash just yes. you know go crazy. But if I were going and it was like more of an orchestral thing, something a little bit more like ambient where Guns I don't and Roses I, with the symphony. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't need to see the first chair clarinet. <laughs> you know, shred a solo on the on the Back to the Future soundtrack. Yes. Okay. I feel like that would be really cool. Yeah, for Ravinia, that that's what would get me to Ravinia for sure. And they always have. I I look at the lineup, and it's kind of like Lollapalooza. I look at the lineup normally, and I say, "Oh, those I, those are people I would really enjoy seeing." And then I just never do. I don't know. But I was I was talking to friends who were you know it was I think this was either this week or next week was supposed to be Blues Fest weekend. Right. And that's gone and all these festivals and at some point the mayor's going to have to going to have to pull the trigger on Lollapalooza and just make it official. She will. I mean she's got to. I don't know why we're uh yeah, I don't know why uh, we're dragging uh, our pussy feet footing around it. It just seems ridiculous. Yeah, there's got to there has to be something going it's, on. Negotiations about how to, you know, refund people's money or from if like, they're going to roll like it today, over. It's, like or, two, it's basically two months away from right now. Yeah, basically two from two months away from right now. And Are we, we serious? It's and, not happening. So it's less than that to because it takes usually it takes about a week to get that set up, maybe more than a week. But what's the biggest thing you are going to miss this summer that has been canceled? And I know, uh, you know, everybody's everybody's lives have been affected in different ways, and maybe you weren't even going to go to any event, but it could be maybe you miss going to the Sox game or the Cubs game, or maybe you miss, uh, you're, you know, and you're hoping that that gets back. Maybe you had one concert, and this was the year you were finally going to see the person that you always wanted to see, and now, you can't do that. It is strange to be coming in because this is, you know, everybody who lives here knows this. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything new. This is the time of year that you want to be in Chicago. This is the best time of year because of all the street fests, which are not happening. All the concerts, not happening. All the uh, the beer fests, the, uh, everything. Because we can be outside and it's not happening. Ugh. But yeah, I don't... Uh I don't know. I don't know why we uh, why we're still waiting. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back 312-981-7200. I'm going to talk to you on WGN. What are you going to miss most this summer with all the events being canceled? We're still hanging on, waiting to hear about Lollapalooza, but if you were a betting person, I'd put all my money on Lollapalooza being canceled. But that's just me. I don't I don't have any inside track. I don't know. This is an insider trading. Trading 312-981-7200 is how you get a hold of me. Terry's in Lakeview. Hi, Terry. Hey, Brian. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. 
Hey, uh, to your point, you know, you know, I, I live in Lakeview. I have for the last 20 years. I live very close to Wrigley Field, um, kind of in the uh, on the cusp between um, Boys Town and Wrigleyville. Okay. And even though I'm not a Cubs fan, I don't go to a lot of Cubs games, what I'm going to miss is, you know, I have a balcony that kind of looks out over Halstead near Addison and, and, and Halstead. And between the street fairs and the Pride Parade, and the concerts and the Cubs games and everything else that goes on between Boys Town and Wrigleyville, just the vitality and the people watching and the vibrancy that that kind of hums with this neighborhood in the summertime, it's really going to be something for the first time in the 20 years I've lived here that I'm going to experience. And that's what I'm missing the most. It's not so much the individual events. Yeah. I don't necessarily go to street fairs anymore. I don't go to Cubs games. But I miss watching all the people who do those things. That makes a lot of sense, especially in, like you said, the area you live in, something's happening all the time. Every weekend something's happening. You got, you've got things going on. And for that to be taken away... It's part of part of why I'm I'm guessing part of why you live in that neighborhood because of the exciting atmosphere, and now that atmosphere is gone. Right, like I said, I'm I'm a little bit past the age of necessarily engaging in these yeah. things on a regular basis, but I like the idea that they're going on and that people are enjoying them, and just the vitality of this particular neighborhood during the summer is really something that I'm gonna miss. Yeah, there's a buzz, and that's it's definitely a contagious thing because even if you're just like you said, you're just sitting on your balcony watching it, you still get that sense of excitement that it's happening. Whether you choose to whether you choose to be part of it or not is that's you know doesn't matter. Exactly, it's the vibe that matters, and the vibe is missing. And I'm really going to be curious to see how this summer unfolds with that kind of a backdrop, or I guess lack thereof. It is going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, hopefully we can talk in the fall, Terry, and you can give me an update. Sounds good, Brian. I appreciate your time. Thank Take you. Take care. Have Bye-bye. Evening. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Big Ed's hanging on. Hi, Big Ed. Hey, Brian. Are you calling in to mock my glasses again, Big Ed? Just so I'm you know, you, people, the people, are, people are coming after you. And, uh, you know, on the social <laughs> media, they're going, that guy who criticized your glasses has no taste in eyewear. I'm going to have to agree with him, Ed. Uh, I don't know, Brian. Can you tell? I, I can know. you tell that? You, t- I, you know, I take things. I, I feel things deeply. Ed. That's why. I, that's why I still bring it up. You feel them for me, huh, Brian. <laughs> What's hey, listen, going I on? Wanted, I just wanted to say what a pleasure it's been listening to you this week. Uh, I don't know why you don't have your own show. Well, GN Management. You know, you had that Sunday show that kept getting screwed around with sporting events. And then they took that show away, and now there's no sporting events. Well, things happen, Ed, and that's, you know, uh, any boss in any business gets to make the decisions, and that's uh, it's up to them. But I've been very happy to be here this week, uh, sitting in for Nick and working with Tom. It's always a pleasure to be here and talking to you guys. Uh, I love the overnights. I love uh, being able to talk to uh, talk to folks. So thank you for listening this week, Ed, and, and thanks for the calls. I do appreciate it. Hey, absolutely, Brian. I'll be listening to you down the road. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye, bye. That's uh, that was uncomfortable, Tom. Uh, I'm because <laughs> you know somebody's going to hear that. Here's here's the thing. I appreciate I appreciate what Big Ed said a hundred percent. 
it makes me uncomfortable when when that happens. I'm not a guy who is uh, not a guy who really is uh, welcoming to a lot of praise. And I think that's based on the business that uh, we're in between this and showbiz, other show busy kind of things, stand up and acting and things. You don't get you don't want to uh, you don't want to take too much pleasure in praise. So it makes me uncomfortable. And then I don't want you know I don't want the bosses to think oh that I'm you know. Tom's uh, putting through calls and just, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But I do appreciate the sentence. Maybe maybe keep talking about it. No, I'm done now. Yeah, good. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm just telling <laughs> just you. Kidding. I don't want any more. Listen, just stop. <laughs> All right? Uh, uh-oh. Hey, Donald's on the south side. He wants to talk about Ravinia. Hi, Donald. Hi. Yeah. Um, basically, I've gone since I was in my 20s, and now I'm in my 60s. So I have gone, you know, over a period of decades, and it's actually gotten easier to get to. And, um, okay. you know, it's actually uh, handled better, I think, with the security and everything. So, uh, What kind of, yeah, what kind of for, shows do you usually do? You go to all kinds of shows? Is there one particular uh, type of show that you enjoy more than others at Ravinia? Well, I saw, I saw Rita Coolidge and uh, Chris Christopherson um, originally a long Ooh. time ago in yeah. the 20s. That'd be a But I've also seen the CSO, and I've seen, um, you know, when they broadcast uh, the live scores, you know, I've seen that. Where yeah. They put up screens all over the place, very large screens. Now, so is that... It's always viewable from wherever, you know. So you so. Can, oh, so there's screens out on the lawn, so you can, you, you, you can see yeah, it that way? A lot way? of times there are screens out on the lawn, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's... Because that, like I said, that's been my biggest uh, that's been my biggest hurdle to try to get over to to make it up. And, and even if you're just having a picnic, you can walk up. There's like a walkway that's right in front of where all the seating is, and you can just look and just hang out there and watch for a while if you want, or just watch for the whole thing. Nobody will bother you, right. and uh, you're allowed to do that. So if you can stand for a little while, and then you can go back and have your picnic and come back, and you know that kind of thing. Right. So there's a. Uh, and it's easy to get there because the Metro will let, let you off. Right now, there's a special Ravinia stop for Ravinia. Okay. For concert. And it's right across the street. You know, I'm not across the tracks, you know, like uh, yeah. and you go in under, an under tunnel under the track, and you're right there. Okay. Well, may, well, this year I this year I get to keep my uh, my track record alive. Hopefully next year everything will be back to normal, and uh, maybe I'll try to get up there next year. Thanks for all the information, Donald. Have a great morning. Oh. Oh, okay, great to you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, I, you know. Maybe you'll be a Ravinia man. <sighs> I'm doubting it. Well, yeah. I could see you in your little wine caddy, maybe. No, I listen. No, you'll go you'll go for the beers. You got to bring you got to bring chairs. Well, unless you're going to sit on the ground. You got to then you got to I got to have a wagon with my coolers and my uh, crudités and my charcuterie. I got to bring all that stuff up that I'm going to, you know, lay it all out. I got to bring a candelabra. I got to bring a little table. Or it sounds like a lot. Or alternatively. Yeah, what? Turn this on the head. All right. You can be like the Ravinia bum. You can be like <laughs> one of the guys Ta- it's like tailgating, but I just at Ravinia. Walk around to ask you, hey, man. No, you, you show up in your, uh, you know, cut off, you know, Ford T-shirt, you know, wow. showing off a little bit of the tum. Right now, all, the, the, all the Ford drivers are very upset. Hey, man, you know, you get you got your beer hat with the right. two cans of MGD. Sure, I look the like sides. the Duff Man. Yeah, and then anytime, you know, maybe it'll be Paul Simon or something. <laughs> just you can call me out, man. And I just kind of wander up and start talking to people. Then I sit down. And you'd be like, hey, man, what's going on? Wow. It's, it's me, the Ravinia bum. Yeah, I... Hmm. You guys got any extra uh, brie over there? I see you have a nice uh, 
well, log I, of, of of Hickory Farms. I like that your the your character, the Ravinia bum, has a refined palate. I like that part of it. Hey man, just because I love a tall, cool Budweiser doesn't mean I also don't love a, a fine French cheese. <laughs> it's oh god, it's delicious. The creaminess of it. I don't like soft cheese. You don't uh, what? You're missing what? out, no. man. I like I a love. hard cheese. Oh, you're a hard cheese. Well, hard you know, cheese. here. <laughs> the hard case with a hard cheese. Let me get you a frosty brew to go along with that sharp cheddar. <laughs> I don't know. I'm the Ravinia Bum. I don't know where Ravinia Bum would carry his beer. And, and I'm guessing it wouldn't be frosty and cold <laughs> if where he's carrying it is where I think it might be. Uh, listen, we're going to do some of Nick's, uh, Nick's regular features after 3 o'clock. Is that correct? Absolutely. All right. What are we going to do? What do we're, we do first? Well, we're going to big do, dummy. Yeah, a little bit of you big dummy. All right. Five dummies of uh, because the world is never short of dumb no. people doing dumb stuff. No, they're not. And then we'll do a little straight out of context. Sounds fantastic. The final hour of the big broadcast comes your way after the news, which is going to come your way in just a few seconds, right here on seven twenty WGN. You big dummy, you big dummy, see what you did? Oh no, you big dummy. You dummy! Oh my goodness, it's Brian Noonan in for Nick D. Nick will be back Sunday night, Monday morning, but we decided it is time for You Big Dummy. That's right, four stories of dummies. And, uh, there we go, I'm going to bring that down a little bit. It was very loud. Uh, so, here we go. Are you ready? Ready to get things started on You Big Dummy? Remember, you're going to get to vote on these. Let's start with dummy number one. Number one, dummy. Man busted for striking Vermont highway worker with large pickle. A Massachusetts resident is facing an assault charge after allegedly striking a highway worker with a, quote, large pickle, end quote, thrown from a moving vehicle. Now, according to police, Christopher... Hermandoffer, 34, was a passenger in a vehicle that was traveling yesterday afternoon on U.S. Route 7 in Vermont. Cops allege that Hermandoffer threw the pickle that hit Carl Hoffman, a 59-year-old employee of the Vermont Agency of Transportation. The pickle, the cops say, quote, struck the victim and caused him pain. Hermandoffer was later located and cited for simple assault and misdemeanor. How do they find this guy? Uh, yeah, a pickle came out of a car. He's scheduled on a July 20th appearance in Vermont Superior Court. That is dummy number one. Dummy number one. You know what comes after dummy number one, don't you? That's correct. Dummy number two. Dummy number two. Number two. Athens man offended on being told to pull forward at a drive through Oh, you can't tell a 33-year-old Athens man what to do. He was barred from the McDonald's on Prince Avenue this week after he objected to a clerk telling him to pull forward at the drive-thru window. Doesn't that happen all the time? That's kind of how it works. That's part of the deal. Thanks for your order. Please pull forward. Well, McDonald's is allowed to ask him to pull forward, but they cannot tell him to do so, the man said, according to the report which also included the fact that he is the biggest nitpicking baby in the whole world. That was an editorial comment on my part. The the employee, not to be outdone by pettiness, then refused to serve the man who demanded a refund and again appeared upset because the refund was made in all coins. That's just just a a passive-aggressive go-screw-yourself move. Oh, we'll give you a refund in nickels. 
The man then went inside the restaurant to complain, and police were called. The officer banned the upset customer from the restaurant for two years for disorderly behavior. Is that a police power that I'm not aware of? That they can ban you from a fast food restaurant? How dumb... Really? You, they told you to pull forward. I would. I don't think I've ever not been told to pull forward. Okay, please pull forward. Anyway, that's dummy number two. We'll call him the petulant baby. Dummy number two, petulant baby. Number three, dummy number three. Wow. Just the headline. I don't want to sway the votes. Just the headline. Boys let Black Widow bite them in hopes of turning into Spider-Man. Unless that Black Widow had been sprayed with radiation, it's not going to work. But let's find out. Let's follow the adventure of these three would-be superheroes. Three young Bolivian brothers were hospitalized after getting a Black Widow spider to bite them, thinking it would turn them into Spider-Man, according to officials, who can't stop shaking their heads. The Marvel-loving siblings aged 12, 10, and 8, found the spider while herding goats. This story gets better by the second. Herding goats in Cheanta, a Ministry of Health official revealed at a coronavirus briefing Saturday, according to Telemundo. Thinking it would give them superhero powers, they prodded it with a stick until it bit each of them in turn, said the official. Finding them crying, their mom rushed them to a nearby health center which transferred them to a nearby hospital, Telemundo said. Um, I'm laughing because they turned out all right. We should say that up front, that the boys are alive. So when I mock them, know that they're still alive. Also still stupid. So that's uh, that's good to know. The would-be Peter Parkers were transferred a third time, taken to the Children's Hospital in La Paz the next day with fevers, tremors, and muscle pains, according to the report there. They were treated and discharged last Wednesday, almost a week after they were bitten. Pietro shared the drama as a warning to parents, saying that, quote, for children, everything is real, movies are real, end quote, even though they are, in fact, an illusion, according to Telemundo. <laughs> Thank you, Telemundo, for pointing that out. Uh, just so you know, uh, movies are an illusion. Hmm, all right. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a venom of a black widow is 15 times stronger than a rattlesnake's. Black widows are one of the most feared spiders in the world, unless you are three uh, young, really dumb kids in Bolivia. Then they're just spiders that are going to turn you into a superhero. They're the most venomous in North America, according to National Geographic. While their bites are not usually fatal, children are among those most at risk, along with the elderly and infirmed. But these boys are fine. Uh, Again... This is, this is like a trifecta of dummies. So this dummy number three is actually dummies times three. So dummies times three is the Bolivian Spider Boys, who, despite being Marvel fans, really don't get the concept of how Peter Parker became Spider-Man. All right. Do we keep doing all the dummies before we take the break? Is that yes? All right. Here is dummy number four. Dummy number four, another fast food dummy. Man smashes drive-thru window of a British Columbia burger, Wendy's rather, after they forget to put mustard on his burger. I'm going to stop right there and say, I'm with him. You order something, you better get what you order. Let's investigate. It's happened to all of us. You get excited to go through the drive-thru of your favorite fast food chain, and then you head home. Only to realize 
too late that they forgot an item or screwed up your order somehow. And for the second time in this show, I will quote Dro Pesci, they screw you at the drive-thru. It's an honest mistake, but you'd be lying if you said it wasn't disappointing. Sure. Well, I guess. (laughs) For one Vancouver Island man... It was a little more than disappointing, though, when the staff at Wendy's in Colwood forgot to put mustard on his burger Tuesday night. The staff were forced to call police when the suspect returned to the drive through window and began violently smashing the glass. There are other issues here than the mustard. Can we agree on that before we continue with the story? There's, there's deeper anger issues than just the mustard. The suspect got out of his car and came to the drive through window and began yelling at the staff while he smashed the plexiglass barrier and completely ripped it off the wall, explained Nancy Sager. Before leaving, the suspect threw the plexiglass barrier underneath another vehicle in the parking lot. Thankfully, no staff were injured, and now the Royal Canadian Mounted Police is turning its attention to finding the suspect who drove away in a blue or gray Toyota Matrix hatchback filled with mustard, apparently. That is dummy number four. Dummy number four... Manic Mustard Mayhem. I named it that because I like alliteration. Our final dummy. Dummy number five. Number five. Man passes out while attempting to steal fuel. This comes from Vanceboro in Craven County. I don't know where that is. Uh, It's near Georgia. Man awaits extradition to Georgia after being arrested in Craven County. Which sounds like a bad horror movie, doesn't it? Tom, you're a cinema guy. Craven County, there's going to be like a scarecrow that comes to life and kills everybody. Yeah, or some guy that kills you in your sleep. Yeah, so Craven County. Uh, the Craven County Sheriff's Office says 40-year-old Shannon Huffsettler was found unconscious underneath a van at Chapman's Chapel Church in Vanceboro. Boy, these these are... Can't read these fast. Or uh, Huffsettler was attempting to steal gas from a van when he passed out. Authorities say the vehicle he was driving was stolen out of Georgia and had drug paraphernalia inside. Uh-oh. Huffsettler was transported to Carolina East Medical Center, where he escaped from custody after a short foot chase. He was recaptured on Hazel Avenue in New Bern. Huffsettler is held on no bond, pending extradition to Georgia, and he, the passed-out gas monkey, is dummy number five. Now, do I recap these really quickly? Yes. All right. Well, we'll recap them once. We'll take a break. We'll take a break. If you want to be the third vote, because Tom gets to vote, I get to vote, and we want you to vote. If you want to be the third vote, what caller should they be? The first one in. First one in at 312-981-7200. First caller, 312-981-7200. You get to be the tiebreaker or the at least the third vote on You Big Dummy. Get on the phone. All right. Nick's not here, but You Big Dummy is... It's time for a recap of our five big dummies. But first, uh, let's say hello to our uh, let's say hello to our uh, voter. Mike is in Frankfurt. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing very well. You ready to vote on this? I am. All right, hang on. We're going to do a little recap, and then Tom will vote, and you will vote, and then I will be the final arbiter of all things dummy. All right, let's uh, recap real quick. Dummy number one. Dummy number one was the man who was busted for striking a Vermont highway worker with a large pickle. He threw a pickle out the window, and he hit a Vermont road worker. Hmm, the pickle struck the man and caused him pain. That is dummy number one. The pickle pitcher. Pickle pitcher is dummy number one. Dummy number two is a man who got offended on being told to pull forward at the drive-thru. 
He was at McDonald's. They told him to pull forward. He doesn't. Nobody tells this man what to do. He was very petulant. Dummy number two, the petulant baby. Dummy number two, petulant baby. Dummy number three, oh, the Brothers Grimm. The three Bolivian boys who poked at a black widow till it bit them all because they thought it would make them into Spider-Man. Dummy number three, the Brothers Duh. Brothers Duh, dummy number three. Dummy number four. Man smashes through a window at the uh, British Columbia Wendy's after they didn't put mustard on his burger. He got home. He was disappointed. He went back. Uh, dummy number four, mustard maniac. Dummy number four, mustard maniac. And finally, dummy number five, the man who passed out while trying to steal fuel from a van outside a church. Dummy number five, the passed out petrol thief. Passed out petrol thief is nubby number five. All right, it's time to vote on the biggest dummy of the day. Tom, I'll go to you first. Um, I'm going to have to go with, this is, this is a tough one. It was a, it's a very strong lineup. Solid, I've got to be solid honest. Solid week this week. Yeah, solid week this very, week. very tough to choose. Um, I'm going to say the guy who got upset about being asked to, told to pull forward at a drive-thru. Everybody does it. They're not trying to control you. They're not trying to uh, upset you. You have to pull forward to get the food, my guy. That's what you do. That's how McDonald's works. <laughs> so I don't know. You probably didn't deserve the food anyway, and you definitely did deserve getting your change, getting your entire refund back oh, yeah. in coins. You deserved it. So the petulant baby is Tom's yes. pick. Dummy number two, the petulant baby. All right, Mike, we come to you. First, I, I, Mike, what do you do in Frankfurt? Uh, I'm actually on my way to work now. I work for, in uh, construction. Oh, very good. Well, uh, yeah, getting an early start. Holy cow. Uh, who do you think is the biggest dummy, Mike? I'm going to go with the Brothers Duh. Oh, the Brothers the, the Duh. Tri- the, the trifecta of, of dummies. All right. Yeah, I like that. The trifecta of stupid. Uh, the three brothers who uh, thought the Black Widow would turn them into Spider-Man. There was a, it was a very strong lineup. Mike, what what made that jump out at you more than the other ones? Just because I can almost picture them arguing about who was going to get to poke the spider first and who was going to get the superpowers first, which made them even dumber in my in my mind. All right, I lo- that's listen. That's good. Like that's that good process. Yeah, yeah, that was a good thought process. All right, I I will vote now, and I will tell you that it was very hard because I believe that everyone in all of these stories, which I I'm sure is the point, they are all really dumb. I vacillated a bit. And I will tell you that the two that you have picked are the two that I was going back and forth between. But, upon further review, my final decision tonight, my edict, is the biggest dummy of the day is dummy number two, the petulant baby. Yes. Because there is, I can, I can forgive children for stupidity, even though, I, even though, Mike, like you, it is a trifecta of dumb. And it's, uh, but they're kids. So I say, all right, kids innately are dumb. So I have to, I have to discount it a little bit just because of their age. If these were, th- if Mike, if it was you, me, and Tom, they were poking a black widow, winner, hands down, no doubt about it. But because of their age, I put them at number two. The biggest dummy today, the big dummy is the man in Athens 
who got upset because he was told to pull forward. Mike, thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you for your vote. Be careful at work today. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Yeah. So you big dummy, the petulant baby. There you go. He's the one. Now what happened? All right. This does. Out of context, context, context. 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 What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out of context. 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 Oh yeah. Do you like straight out of context? Are you a big fan? Yeah, I haven't heard it in a while because I'm <laughs> normally asleep at 3:24. I know I've been, I've had uh, people threaten to submit things that I've said on the air. Sure. I'll say something and I, I'll immediately get a note. Oh, we're sending that right to Nick. Uh, so I know I've been featured on Straight Out of T- Context in the past. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always very funny. It's always the best, because uh, Straight Out of Context is when you listen to this radio station 24-7. Whenever you hear something that makes you laugh, makes you giggle like a nine-year-old, you send it in to nickdshow at gmail.com, and we play back here on Straight Out of Context. So I've got, I've got a real winner of a week. Really? Honestly, there's some pretty good ones in here. And thank you to everybody that submits every single week. Uh, let's start off first with a little bit of uh, King John sent in by Brian J. You'd be touching people in places you don't normally touch people. <laughs> wow. And I like that John threw a little, uh, there was a little accent a, in there. There's a little twang. Like the Pepperidge Farm guy was going to touch somebody. I don't know, uh, I don't remember, but uh, I'm sure if I got touched by a Pepperidge Farm guy, I would remember. Well, Pepperidge Farm remembers. Sure, Pepperidge Farm remember. remember. John right. blocked it out. There you go. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, one of our favorites, Mr. Lou Manfredini. He always does really well on here. This is from, <laughs> this is from Ken in Hillside. They come in spurts. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. I mean, I know we're in safe harbor at 3.26 a.m., but I think we all know what Lou was talking about. And he says it in front of Lindsay. That's what makes it even worse. I know. Such a sweet girl. She is so nice. A mom. And he's talking like that with his filth mouth. Unbelievable. I'm disappointed. Uh, Another Lou here coming to us from Brian J. Let's take a listen. You're going to hit that, then you're going to step back. That was my mo in college, uh, Lou. Lou, you know, for the he's on early on a Saturday morning. It seems a little, a little randy. Yeah. He's, well, I think it's the uh, the think context. It's all, all of the, the wood show. he's working with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's all the uh, all the caulking he's doing you know, of the tubs and of the tile. A lot of caulking. Yeah. Well, now this is this is great that this is happening this week. It's a triple threat of Uh-oh. Brian. It's a triple threat of you, me. Yeah. A few, a few catches How can from that your week. Be? Oh, good. Yeah. Well, you had quite a week on uh, on the air this week. Sure. So why not? It's bound to happen. You think? Yeah. So this one's coming to us from Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Makes you it makes you all moist inside. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what you were talking about? I, th- I obviously I was making muffins. Well, you were talking about uh, Michael McDonald and his voice. I'll stand by that. I'm not think ashamed. So? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I've become just a love puddle. That'll be next Michael's week. On. <laughs> All right, next another Brian from Diane in Naperville. Uh, I like nuts. You do. I do. Yeah. Uh, what a little know, bit of our candy conversation? Healthy, right? healthy treats, high in uh, all sorts of things, vitamins. I'm, I'll stand by that too. Big fan of nuts. I, do, you, do you have a favorite nut? Uh, well, of course, the cashew nut is my favorite nut. Cashew, uh, cashews, a uh, whole salted cashew is my favorite. 
I enjoy the almond, of course. Mm-hmm. Peanuts. Yeah, you can't get enough so, uh, in-the-shell peanuts. I could eat those for days. You ever eat the shell? Occasionally. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm not supposed games. to. Yeah. The, it's uh, usually the single ones that you can't. They don't squeeze as well, so I'm like, I don't have time Whatever. for this. You can eat the shell. <laughs> yeah, no I'm in a big, big hurry. I got I to gotta get going. All right, this next Brian's from uh, Mark D in Aurora. Don't handle your meat too much. Oh, a little grilling tip. Good advice. Very good advice. Always good Excellent advice. advice. Wow, well, you're welcome, Tom. Hey. Okay. <laughs> you're welcome. I can't help it. And I thank you to it. thank you to everybody who's been uh, nitpicking everything I say. I do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is actually a caller. Ooh. Uh, next one is a caller here. This is uh, Donna, one All of right. our favorite callers, and she got caught by Canadian Bill. Then you can start playing with your brats. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember Dada was giving you all kinds of cooking. I know. She taught you how to cook a duck. Oh, well, that's, and I told you, a year from now, you'll make a duck. I'm going to grill you a duck. All right, fantastic. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be fantastic. And then you can play with your brats, as Dada told you. Of course, save that for later. Uh, <laughs> that'll be that'll be great. Uh, next up. <laughs> wow, you do not sound convinced. Uh, next up, another friend of ours, Doc. He oh, got, yeah. He got caught by Brian in Rockford. You just need need more wood. Yeah, that's all you need. That's true. You just need more wood. I, if I could Steve Corellia, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and before we take a quick break here, uh, let's sneak this in. This is our, the great legend, the legend of the uh, Northwestern Wildcats. Dave, Dave Ennett? Dave Ennett. Oh, no. Getting caught here. By Mike and Novak Construction. Stay safe out there, Mike. Thank you so much. I've gotten off at three different places in three days. <laughs> I wonder if he's Kale... having trouble getting downtown. No, you know, wonder... They're closing exits left and right. What do you do? I don't know what? if Kale is involved or whatever, but they, yeah, they, no, Dave's, you know, I like that. I like when a legend like Dave. Uh, says something that people can misconstrue. Wait till you hear Orion on the show. Holy oh, cow. I've, I've heard, today, yeah. but, oh, I've heard him good. before. It's always good. Those dulcet pipes. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to you about something. I'll tell you what it is after this. WGN. So when I'm in your neighborhood, you better duck. Because Ice Cube is crazy as F bomb. Out of context, context, context. context. Yeah. Context. 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 All right. Yeah, it continues. It's continuing. I didn't know we had more. <laughs> we uh, there's always plenty. I'm no, I'm excited about people it. People are people are sending them in to uh, nickdshow at gmail.com every single week. Nice. In droves. Well, they you know, uh, people are on the radio, they say things, they, it just comes out. And then you just Exactly. People People catch it. <laughs> All right, where are we at? All right, next up, a little John Williams here. Uh, let's take a look. This is coming to us again from Mark D. and Aurora. Thanks, Mark. It just feels a little different in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, okay. Yeah, talk, <laughs> talking about uh, there, apparently there's a place that does cocktails like on tap. They make their own oh old fat like they make their own vermouth so that sounds you get, you get an old fashioned now see that sounds delicious i don't know how it goes into what john said there but uh okay i don't decide what he does on the i air. don't listen i 
Far be it from me to dictate what uh, King John says. <laughs> All right, next, another John Williams here. This one coming to us from Brian. Steve's sitting there with a ding-dong in his hand. Huh. That doesn't surprise me. Have you ever walked by the newsroom in the middle of the day? Yeah, it's... As you might imagine, I don't. <laughs> I thought maybe you just came in to visit. Yeah, you know, it's a, you know what you know what really gets me going is uh, when I come back to work when I don't have to be at work. Yeah, well, listen, you got to show your face. You're yeah. here in the middle of the night. Do you, do the bosses even know who you are? Well, I like to leave portraits of myself, oh. hand drawn portraits. Saying, "Have you seen this oh, man?" I thought those were like the scribblings of a maniac. I didn't know that you. Had well, left those them on, those ideas are not mutually exclusive. Okay, the the myself portraits and scribblings of a maniac are not mutually exclusive. Okay, but uh, <laughs> that's that's, that's just the way it is. All right, uh, a little bit more Lou here. This one coming to us from Tim. Thanks, Tim. And if you got that stiff one, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Uh, another Lou, this now, one. Let oh, me ask wait. you this. Yeah. If I don't hear from a host, does that mean that they're just perfectly clean and uh, well-spoken? I think every host has appeared at least once. Yeah. Almost. almost yeah. I mean, we've had David Hochberg on. It doesn't surprise uh, me. Dino, as uh, you might expect. Oh, yeah. Those guys, those Sunday morning guys are uh, relentless. You know, they get up, they get jacked up on coffee, and who knows what's going to come out of I their know. mouth. It's it's. Unbelievable, but I think we've had pretty much every host, yeah. uh, almost every personality on this station has appeared at least once. Very nice. All right, this uh, next lose coming to us from Kim. Thanks, Kim. You keep WGN radio on while you do it, and then we'll keep you company doing the whole thing. Mm. I love you, Lou. You can't be part of it. I'm, you know, Lou's a great guy. Well, I, I he can like come to, to the house and hang out. Sure, but I'm not going to, you know. I don't want him telling me how to sand a floor while I'm trying to sand the floor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think you do. Oh, boy. Uh, and, uh, I'd love to watch you blush. Like, oh, oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. that, that might have... It, I that, was a, that was a triple entendre. I mean, sanding the floor. <laughs> Jeez. I don't even know Go what that easy. means. <laughs> Luta, you have hardwood floors in your house? I do actually. I do as well. And how do you finish them? You got to sand. You got to sand, you them sand down. the you floor. Sand the floor. So did you ever you see the Karate see. Kid? I did. You sand the you deck. Sand the deck. Sand the deck. That's how you learn. And then finally, this one, uh, I believe, is Steve. Yeah, Steve Grzanich. I want to make sure I've got that mm. correct. And that's coming to us from Bob. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, I'm already starting to get hot, Bob. <laughs> He's on so early to get so excited. I know. Well, already, just <laughs> yeah. come on. He's firing on all cinder- wow. cylinders. Wow! Uh, wow! Wow! All cinder- cylinders. So, yep, they're straight out of context. And how do we, how do people submit again? You can submit your straight out of context to nickdshow at gmail dot com. And again, listen to this station twenty four seven, and you should because it's the greatest station on earth. And if you hear someone say something that uh, makes you giggle, makes you laugh, like a nine year old, send it on over to nickdshow at gmail dot com. And that's it. Oh, there's no yeah. we we don't play the song at the end. There's no, no yeah. outro. There's no <laughs> we've, already, we've gotten it twice. Do you want it a third no, time? I we don't just, have to. I was just waiting for. I didn't know if there were more production elements. No, that's I never, it. I never know. I love to be as surprised as anybody else. I'm as surprised as Carol Baskin is that she got Joe uh, Joe Exotic Zoo. Did you see that? I did see that. Carol Baskin was awarded the zoo. Uh, did you watch Tiger King? I know it. I know Tiger King is so uh, first week of the pandemic. 
because that was, you know, it's uh, that was, oh, Brian, Tiger King. That was like March 18th. That was right after we were came off the fact that we were disappointed about not getting hammered on St. Patrick's Day that we all settled into Tiger King. Did you watch it, Tom? I did, yeah. All right, good. Within that first week. Oh, you had to. Because if you did, mm. and I don't usually give in to FOMO, the fear of missing out, as the kids like to say, but I wanted to watch this, and, and like you, I was at home, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody. We were all at home. So if you had Netflix, you had to watch Tiger King because everybody was talking about it. How did you feel about Tiger King when it was over? Mm. I'll, Not great. <laughs> this is how, this should sum up how I felt about it. They released a bonus episode. I didn't watch the bonus episode. No one did. I had I seen think, enough. They. It was such a flash in the pan. Yes. And everybody, you know, I don't want to say everybody because there are some people that were just like, I don't care. Which right. more power to you to have that kind of restraint. Yeah. On watching that sort of thing, but. For for what two weeks I'd say for about two yes, weeks for two weeks every, every no, it was, no it was one shut up thing. about it right you so heard it everywhere I sat I sat and watched it basically in two sittings yeah. I just went for it I was yeah. like whatever I'm gonna watch this and see what the deal is um, I I thought the subject matter was way more interesting than the than the show actually was you know what I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to think the the subject matter was luckily so juicy so bizarre. Yeah, the whole big cat collecting thing it, is weird. That that's just a hook right away. It yeah. was better than the final product. And then I loved that well we watched it that first full weekend of quarantine. We watched it on a Saturday. We sat there and just watched it and then felt really dirty. Um but then I noticed people were picking it apart and and reading these deeper things into it and it was a, it was a whole big I was like, wow, you took this way too seriously. It was basically a freak show. Yeah. And, you know, it was made up of, let's be honest, despicable people from top to bottom. There wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, find me somebody who wasn't despicable in that uh, in that show. Well, there's some guys that were just like, I, I, I found the whole kind of circus of misfits thing because we don't think about those people. Right. It's it's and it's unfair sometimes well, that we forget some of those, that there are people that just don't fit in a, what we consider polite society. Quote right. Unquote. But then there was, you know, there was an aspect of exploitation of some of those people Absolutely. too, which was very sad. And uh but man, it it shows you that some people have a weird ability to get people to do whatever they say. You know, mm-hmm. some become cult leaders, some own tiger zoos. You know, it's yeah. it's a weird it's a weird thing that there's people and you know there's people with all all different needs and all different uh, psychological problems and 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 emptiness or whatever and they're looking for someone and there's people who will prey upon those needs sure. and then get them to do whatever. But uh yeah, so we we watched it and uh I was happy it was over and I never have to see it again and the only reason I the only reason it came up was because the last day there's it's been big news that Carol Baskin got the uh, you know she, she what do you think she killed the husband first I, husband I think, think she it's killed? kind of a moot point I know nobody well, you've got the it. you've got the sheriff down in Florida he's going for it he's Is trying he really to, yeah he's trying to find out if she actually did it it's it just every and it listen we all know every documentary can skew things to look however they wanted to yeah but the fact. The fact that she waited until the, you know, whatever the statute of limitations was to have somebody declared legally dead, she waited exactly that time. 
Not even like an extra week to go, well, maybe I'm going to hold out hope that we could still find him. It was like, tick, 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 tick. He's dead. Give me the money. <laughs> that was basically Well, if you it. need the money to go, you know, for your cool cats and kittens. You know, that empire doesn't empire itself. You know, she, she's got a magazine. You can get the, you can get the magazine. Buddy what? mine subscribed to it. Why would you just out of curiosity? Oh, just out of curiosity. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, I want. He was he was not even that big of a fan of the show. He just found it to be a really strange, sort of apocryphal thing. And so you can get uh, Big Cat Rescues, Big Cat Times. It's the quarterly. Big Cat Times. What does that? What times. does that run me four times a year? I'd get that. Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. That's a good question. Big cat um, times. I'm guessing just, Carol is going to overcharge for this. I'm oh, I'm no betting doubt. this is going to be more than if I got Sports Illustrated. <laughs> I'm betting I'm betting Carol's I'm betting the people who are going to order Big Cat Quarterly uh or Big Cat the Big Cat Times. Uh I don't want to say they might be mm, gullible. But I'm thinking they might be a little gullible. Well, I'm going to say that the you know, the quality of the of the writing is probably on par with Sports Illustrated at this point. Yeah, but you don't get the swimsuit issue unless it, unless you put <laughs> yeah. tigers in swimsuits, yeah. and that's going to be freaky. Then yeah. I subscribe. <laughs> Who wants that calendar? <laughs> Big cats in swimsuits. Hi, this is sexy Sheba. <laughs> we put her. We put her in a one piece tankini, and <laughs> a following which she mauled seven right. people. <laughs> then Bob got eaten. Our stylist tried to. Uh, tried to brush the sand off her buttocks and was mauled beyond belief. But we did get this picture. Don't pay attention to the blood on the claws. That's just an extra added bonus. Well, the reason I brought it up, she got Joe Zhu. Uh, the, uh, the U.S. District Judge Scott Pelk turned control of the zoo over to Big Cat Rescue Corp. Monday, uh, he had earlier awarded Baskin a $1 million civil judgment against Joe Exotic because, you know, uh, he was charged and convicted of hiring somebody to kill her. Uh, which is not good. We don't condone that. But in a statement from Baskin, she uh, posted to Big Cat uh, Rescue's website and said that if Jeff Lowe, who Joe gave ownership of the zoo uh, in an effort to ward off Baskin's lawsuit, is unable to move and house the animals, there is a need, quote, to place the animals in new homes. Big Cat Rescue and the animal welfare organizations that have previously successfully placed big cats from large facilities in new homes stand ready to exist. And, of course, then Joe Exotic, through his attorneys, uh, released a statement calling it treachery that must not go unchecked. Jacuz. (laughs) So his team tweeted, while we acknowledge it is truly time to pray for justice for George Floyd's family. I love how they co-opt a national Wait, crisis. what? Yes, this is this is the tweet from Joe Exotic's legal oh, team. Oh my god. Uh, I know. I understand. While we acknowledge, while we again acknowledge, so they must have acknowledged it once before, while we again acknowledge it is truly time to pray for justice for George Floyd's family as well as an end to systematic racism in America, which is all true, but it doesn't need to be connected to Joe Exotic or this craziness. We must address Carol Baskin's treachery before it goes unchecked. Um, the greatest threat to this country. Yes. It was uh, the account run by rescue. Maldonado Passages management team. Uh, yes. So remarkable uh, stuff. Very nice. So there you what go. A, what a, what a, an attempt to claw your way back into the limelight to 
Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you, America. We all like to have the. We, listen, we we throw out the jokes; they're fun. We have to. Gotta, uh, gotta but make the light light. Unbelievable that that's what an attempt to get back into the limelight you, of something totally unrelated. Does it surprise you at all that he is going to try to piggyback onto the the, the biggest issue in the country right now? And he's going to he's going to jump on that and go. Well, listen, everybody loves Joe Exotic. I've got to make. I can't just go out and say Carol Baskin ripped me off. I've got we've got to make a statement about the, the George Floyd thing. We have got to tie that in. Oh no! Yeah, thank you, Tiger King. Now, where's my meth and mullet? I've got to get uh, I've got to get going. Yes. Yeah, so Joe Exotic, very upset. Carol Baskin has a zoo. What will happen to the tigers? Will they in fact become bikini models as we have predicted? So many unanswered questions. We can't really give you any answers. Uh, we could probably tell you about cicadas because they're coming and they're creepy. We'll do that and some more as we get ready to go home. It's WGN. Someday. Mm-hmm. When I'm awfully low. It's Brian Noonan in for Nick D for at least a few more minutes. And then Nick will be back Sunday night into Monday morning. Uh, I want to thank Nick for letting me keep his chair warm till he gets back. It has been a lot of fun talking to you, and we can continue to talk. 312-981-7200 if you want to jump in. We were talking about uh, Joe Exotic because, uh, you know, we're nothing if not timely here. But the new uh, the new... Legal ramifications uh, were just announced, so we dropped that on. Also, uh, there's, as we mentioned, uh, it's been mentioned a lot lately, now that we are allowed to dine outside on the restaurant patios, it's also time for the cicadas to come back. Oh, man, cicadas are creepy looking, aren't they? If you uh, Have they started to come come to your home yet, making all the noise? According to uh, the Smithsonian Magazine and an entomologist at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, there are 20 species of cicadas. Not one of them is acceptable. You look flustered, Tom. Is it because you didn't know there were 20 types of cicadas? I know. Uh, We know hardly anything about them. We know very little about what they're doing underground. (laughs) They're multiplying. They're waiting. They're plotting to overtake us. They come out, and there they go. Uh, they have a long-standing reputation as loud, swarming pests that keep obnoxiously particular schedules. I, I'm i trying to remember, what, what is it, every four years the uh, the cicadas come? 14 well, years, 12 th- years? There's Well, there's, well, there's the 17 years, right. I think, and that's not here. The Thir- 17-year cicadas... I believe are going to be in different regions of the com- country. Uh, let me, those are called the periodical cicadas, Tom. The oh, thank magic you very cicada. Much, sir. They spend thirteen or seventeen years underground, and millions of them surface Wait, together. Thirteen or seventeen? Do they just decide right. when they're underneath? Maybe when they're ripe. I don't know decide. what cicadas do. Mm-hmm. I'm quoting. Listen, I'm quoting an uh, entomologist and the Smithsonian Magazine. I'm just. I'm not just making this up out of whole cloth. I wouldn't give. I'm not here to give out fake cicada news. No. Okay. Only real cicada news. I give real cicada news on the uh, on the fifty ones. That's when I give yeah. real cicada news. <laughs> all cicada news, all cicada That's time right. here on the Buzz. Ooh, I like that rebranding. <laughs> right we now, did the, it. right now, Robert Feeder is writing. Did WGN turn into the Buzz? No. <laughs> yes, yes, we turned into the Buzz for about thirty seconds. So. Uh, to make some, biologists classify periodical cicadas into one of 15 existing broods based on their species. So once cicadas do emerge, the sheer volume of them can be overwhelming. Uh, they spend years, they spend the majority of their lives living underground. 
Then they spend years developing into adults before they emerge to sing, mate, and lay eggs. It's pretty much like me every day. I spend the majority of, of my life asleep, and then I get up and I sing, mate, and I lay eggs. Well, really, I sing, I wave to my mate, and I make eggs. It's, it's a little different. But I do sleep in the dirt. So <laughs> I have a lot in common with the cicadas. Why do cicadas emerge in 13 and 17-year cycles anyway, Tom? Any idea? I, I haven't the foggiest. I have one hypothesis. And by I have one hypothesis, I mean it's written here. Uh, it's because, with much buzz among mathematicians, is that it's because both numbers are prime. Mathemat- oh. I love mathematicians because, one, I could never be one. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, I admire people who are that disciplined. But sometimes they may have a little too much time on their hands. But... The mathematicians are saying it's prime number, and the theory goes that the cycles prevent specialized predators from springing up. Cicadas, as you know, Tom, and you've told me this many times, they're easy prey. Uh, They're not hard to catch, and anything that can catch them will eat them. That's not true, because I I can catch a cicada. (laughs) You ever caught a cicada? I have caught a cicada. Sure. Did you eat it? Uh, I thought about it. This is fake news, then. I don't know why why I'm saying it. No, that's. I think God. they. I think they meant other species, not humans. Wait a minute. Now there was a time, and I, I bring this up only because John Williams was on straight out of context. I think John was eating crickets one day mm-hmm. on the air. Do you remember? There was a thing. There was a company that was doing uh, dried crickets and things. Like, well, yeah. I mean, eat, the, uh, eating insects is not new. No, to the human race. It's new to me. You know. Because I, I go to Jewel, here, here, I go to the prairie. I actually, I, I wanted to, I was curious about this. Yeah. Because I was like, well, you can eat cicadas. You definitely can. How and, are we going to prepare them? Do you know? Yes. Okay, good. One, cook, the, cook them in a cicada scampi. Okay. Yeah, the cicada cooking pioneers sauteed their cicadas with butter, garlic, and basil. That sounds good. Yeah, I like that. Let me ask this. Does it say there what the uh, what the benefit is of eating the cicada? Are they high in protein? Is it fiber? Is it uh, what will are there vitamins involved that would make the cicada tasty to me? I think it's just uh you d- can you can eat them. It's not a question of why, but why not? Okay. <laughs> all right. I guess that all right, I could go with that. Uh, you could also marinate them in Worcestershire sauce, or is that okay. how you say it? Worcestershire, yeah, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. That could be pretty. Cover them in chocolate. That, that, that's that not could, a terrible that's idea. Any, no, it's not a terrible idea. But any you can cover anything in chocolate and it'll be good. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's true. wait a minute. I could yeah. cover this pen in chocolate. It probably tastes pretty good. Yeah, until you get to the pen. Once you once yeah. you lick the chocolate off, and you go, oh, this is still a pen. That tastes a little bit metally. Yes, and. What other ways? So dip them that's, in chocolate. We're yeah, gonna... that's, those are your three main ways. Those are your three main ways. I like all three. Now, here's the thing. How long is it going to take me to get enough cicadas to make a halfway decent meal? Because I'm, you know, do I want a light snack? Am I going to, or am I going to serve it as a party? Am I going to invite you over for dinner and then serve you cicadas? I see them more as kind of like, like a bowl of chips. Yeah. You know, instead of putting out uh, a nice bowl of Fritos or something like that, be like, here, I, I brought you some, I brought, here's a bowl of cicadas. How about if I do a total tapas cicada meal? That could where be each, each plate of, uh, each plate, each small plate is a different presentation of cicada. Mm. 
I we, like that. You got to give everybody. You got to give everybody kind of the uh, the full experience. Sure. So you, we lay it out in front of everybody. Now, as a beer man, what beer do we serve with the cicadas? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you are an insect eater, I want to hear from you. If you have suggestions of how to serve these cicadas, uh, feel free to jump in because we only have a couple minutes. And uh, why not leave on the wackiest note we possibly can for the week? Um, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go because the cicadas are going to have an earthy feel, I'm, I'm guessing, being insects and all. I'm going to go with uh, more of like a, uh, a porter or a stout. Because uh, despite it being summer and the, the bugs being light in density, I'm going to guess they have an earthy quality to them that I'm going to, I'm going to need something a little bit, uh, a beer with a little more heft. I think or a nice red. Maybe the guys over at Revolution or uh, Dry Hop yeah. are missing out here. Yeah, this is what you should have. We should have brought this up with yeah. John and Jesse earlier on at the breweries. The Cicada Stout. That would. <laughs> it's a collaboration. Bingo. Well, Revolution did that Gator beer when Gator, uh, beer. when Gator Bob was here, or Gator Tom, or whatever his name was, Gator Chuck, Gator Rob, the whole Gator family, Gator Rob. I, <laughs> I feel bad. I can't remember. I think it was Gator Rob. He was. That was a big thing for a while too. Remember last summer? Remember the how simple last summer was when we were all fascinated by a gator, a, an alleged gator in Humboldt Park. That was a simpler time. I long for that simpler time, don't I? All right. It's uh, now. You'll have to remind me, please, of how things are going, because the WGN Morning News is coming up at 4 o'clock. And at 5 o'clock, of course, then it's Bob Surratt, followed by John Williams and Anna and Roe and G, and then uh, the news again, and then Dave Plyer, then Matt Bubala. Look at me. I know all the schedule.